and welcome to the Crash Chords Podcast. I'm John. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And today we're revisiting an old band, and for me, one of my favorites we've ever brought on. An old band? I mean, they're not that old. Well, an old band for us, considering we did it like five years ago or something like that. Episode 10. Yeah, that's true. It's been a little bit while. Episode 10's a long time ago. It is. Yeah, just, just shy of five years. God, this podcast has aged me. Like September, October-ish, no, yeah, September-ish, 2012. Yeah. So long ago. Yeah. Just shy of that five-year mark. We were so young back then. I know, that was before the world ended. Remember when the world ended? Yeah. In 2012? Yeah. That was a surprise. That was a surprise. It was. Because it it was there the next day, too. Thank God it got better. It it did get better. It's true. (laughs) But we are going to be reviewing the newest album by one of my favorites, Flowbots, entitled No Enemies, one word. Um, the Flowbots have been a band that, since I first heard their big hit Handlebars back in 07, I've just loved. I've almost always loved them at this point. There's been no real hiccups throughout their career that I've gone, eh, that could have been better. Uh, mostly because of three main reasons. One, being a hip-hop band with two vocalists instead of just the one, it, it makes so much of their music always sound fresh because there's always a different point or counterpoint being made throughout the song as Johnny Five and Br'er Rabbit, uh, the two lead vocalists, they're actually both credited as leads, uh, trade off different phrases Mm -hmm. and different impact points. One will usually do one thing in an album while the other one takes the counterpoint or a slant on it throughout the album work, which is a great way of using the actual different voices to voice different ideas. The last time we had anything to rival that concept was actually Headspace by Issues. And the two lead vocalists there, where one was more, like, soul-inspired and the other was the more screamy style, and yet they were both leads as well. Well, Blink also, both both singers are credited as leads. One of the big reasons why I loved Blink was that you always had Mark and Tom doing back and forth, back and And forth. And now Mark and the other guy. The other guy who's still just as good. Yeah. Probably better. But I never remember his name. (laughs) The other guy. The other guy. He's the other guy. But that's the first reason. The second was it was a rap group that did rock. Indie rock, a yeah. little bit of punk, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But they were presenting rap with a backdrop that was perfect for me. But they're not rap rock. They're not Are really they? rap. I don't Are know. They? They're, they're <laughs> indie hip hop. It's just when people say rap rock, they're referring to such a very specific thing, right? Which was pretty much like, Linkin Park and uh, Limp Bizkit and... Just even, much and yeah, stuff back to like the early 90s, kind of. Yeah. But yeah, sure. Like, why can't you keep using it? It's just that people would disown it for well, the because different connotation. Yeah, the, yeah. That, that specific way of phrasing the genre has very negative connotations. Rock rap. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to use the word rock only because I don't hear violins in punk too often or violas or upright bass or things like that. No, I would say that the violin horn work and the other things that they introduce in their music is kind of old school classic rock and roll. Like yeah. 1960s, 1970s explosion. Chamber hip hop. I'm kind of not okay with that one. <laughs> really? Yeah. I liked that. That would draw me in. Mm, Black violin. <laughs> okay. Uh, good point. He made a very good point. Yeah, he right did make a very good point. Yeah, shut point. me down right there. But it was it was a it was an incredible backdrop for hip hop for rap style music singing. I I just love the two of them meshing together because I really did like things like Limp Bizkit growing up. They were right up my alley. So did I. They were they were something new and a combination of two things I kind of liked a lot. Well, I thought of another together. rap rock band, Pod. 
Thank Another you. one I did actually Thank thoroughly you. enjoy. You're welcome. I was um, struggling to think of that third one, and there it goes. Just to get us away from Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yes. Um, this is turning into a confessional. <laughs> but the third reason, and this is the biggest reason, is that they felt like they were doing old-school 1960s and 70s social messages in today's era with, with a slant on it that was a little bit different than what I usually would get with protest songs. And that was, they're not really against anything. So much of their message is about unification instead of division. So much of their message is about bringing people together, being accepting, helping one another, instead of being against conservatism or against bigotry or anything like that. It was for things. And that's you can infer of, that they're against something just against by the it. process of elimination. True, but can't the, be for the presentation of positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement is what sells it for me. Right. Because it was always a positive slant that we can rise up, we can stand together, we can do all the things together instead of trying to defeat someone was uh, the positive reinforcement that really made me feel like that, that was what truly drew me in. That if there's going to be a force for change, well, better be from this front, better be from this angle. No, 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 not that at all. Not actually their politics specifically, just the way they present their message. No, ideologically speaking, I mean, in terms of if there's going to be a force for change, it should have a message of, you know... Inclusion. Peace, hope, and inclusion as yeah. opposed yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. the other thing. Um, it doesn't hurt that they are definitely along the liberal front. It definitely has my sort of political leanings towards it, though for the most part, they don't actually cite politics in their message. They just cite ideals. It's not really about you know, X, Y, Z, it's about don't be jerks, be happy. They cloud it a bit, but they can be kind of on the nose at times. A little bit, but it's not every song. And yeah. since every song tends to be a social song, that's pretty good to keep it kind of ubiquitous. It's their writing style, you know, you feel like you get very close in a single lyric and all of a sudden you're away on a, a metaphorical tangent in the next. Yeah. So, Yeah. But this is very reminiscent to last week, is it not? Uh, yeah. It's, it has a lot of connection to last Just week. Just without yeah. the personal element, which was really, I'd say, 75% of last week. Right, for sure. And they always do talk about yeah, personal moments in bits and pieces in a lot of their songs. They it's have just, they have songs devoted to individuals. Right. It's just not, the whole albums are not like K Flay's was. Yeah, not a lot of eyes. No. Not a lot of I or me or how I feel about said thing. Yeah. More like what should we? It's a lot of we. Yeah. Everywhere. It's about rising up together. Essentially that's kind of the crux of this album and a lot of their other albums too. I mean thinking about the circle and the square and that album was very much a rise up come together album with a few personal moments. Well, two of my favorites were Stand Up and Rise. Yeah. And the crux of Stand Up is Stand Up, We Shall Not Be Moved. That's the first line. Yeah. We, or Rise Together, is the chant mantra of the yeah. chorus. Like That's what they do. And that is that has a wholesomeness I don't really hear with a lot of protest songs. Like yeah. uh, a level that I found curious. It's, it's something I have not really been able to find again. There's not a lot of... Well, I would recommend for you that you might like... Um, because I interviewed Sky Blue, who's a rapper, who mostly deals in some pop culture stuff. For the most part, it's just, I call it bright, shiny rap. It's very, very happy and very positive. And that's something that I just don't hear in hip-hop often at all. Is And that's why I like Flowbots and why I like Sky Blue. It's things that take a more positive spin or a more rising up inclusion 
angle is is powerful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that interview with Sky Blue, and also it's it's becoming a lot more common nowadays. I think there probably was a time in hip hop's past where it was a lot of negativity, sure. and it, it, even when it was a, like a positive oriented protest, you kind of had to sift through a lot of questionable material in yeah. order to see that. Uh, but I do think that's that's changing nowadays. So you may yeah. very well find more of it. It may not be they, they may have been one of the people who really promoted that in the beginning. Like considering they are what they started around two thousand. Two thousand yeah. was when Johnny Five created uh, the Flowbots or the concept of the Flowbots because he did a lot of the very early writing. It was in '05 that the rest of the group really came on. Yeah, but I never want to solidify that anyone really started anything. That's right. a no, tough the, call to make. To be honest, like the. Uh, Brer Rabbit and Johnny Five and Mackenzie and Jesse and Kenny O, they are the Flowbots. They've been there since 2005 as a group. So, like, they are they are still, like, the group. They've never really had any specific individual besides just the fact that, yeah, okay, maybe you'll know the front men a little bit more. But speaking of Mackenzie, like, she's the violist. She's always been identifying marker in the songs. Um, Jesse and Kenny O doing a lot of the bass work and the drum work, like they've always been the identifying mark. Like the three-piece band and the two vocalists have always been the core composition of them. They just get a lot of guest session people and things like that. Like sometimes a guitarist will come in, sometimes you'll get a pianist that yeah. shows up here a few times, saxophone, other horns. That, that's standard fare for a band. Not like Gorillaz. <laughs> no. Not quite the same. Um, also something I just want to speak to that when we were talking about the kind of music they play, I think also something that polarizes in a good way how specifically kind of more bright and shiny or at least uplifting this band is, is the other big rap rock band that promoted politics was Rage Against the Machine. And that, right. it's in the name. Yeah. It's Rage Against the Machine. There was a lot of anger. It was a lot yeah. of rebellion, but in a more anger by force way. Yeah. Some people, you know, feel that that's the only way to approach things. Right. I, I personally don't believe that, which is why, well, you know, I, I it is refreshing to see the other but, side. But that said, I mean, I loved Rage Against the Machine as well. I still do. Yeah. A little bit. Um, but no, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, wh- I think we uh, should get diving into this, John. Unless you have any other commentary to share about the Flowbots, I do remember the first time I tried to introduce the Flowbots to one of our friends. I failed miserably, and that's always haunted me. Oh, really? Yeah. Who'd you try to introduce him to? Uh, Brian. Oh, I right. made Brian listen. Oh, Brian. And listeners, just, listeners, he couldn't introduce he just it to totally, Brian. It totally, I think it would totally went over that? his head. I bet you he doesn't even remember it either. Probably not. No. Yeah. They, they can't believe it either. I mean, I got first introduced <laughs> to Flowbots actually from Rock Band, because Handlebars was on Rock yeah, Band. Yeah, And I had not heard them before It that. was awesome when Handlebars ended up on Rock Band, because I already knew the song, and I was able to sing it right away. Yeah. Um, but, of course, once John brought on Circle in the Square, I really dug that record, and I've been listening. That stayed in my permanent rotation since we heard it. I did, too. As I, I think I mentioned last week, you know, that album, as I was recently going through our year in reviews, uh, I listened to the earliest year in review that we did, and that was episode 25, and we all raised Circle in the Square from mm-hmm. our original rating. Not that we rated it lowly, we just, we felt it was upper echelon. I believe I moved it from like a 4 to a 4.5 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I did feel it was in upper echelon piece for Do you remember what we moved it to? Because I don't. I, I, I do not. I feel <laughs> like, did one of you go for five? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't go for five. I uh, maybe I did. I did, did tend to give out more fives back then. Um... But I'm not sure. Wait, I remember <laughs> what you did, John. You actually did not say the number. 
It's the only one that you actually didn't say because we were so unfamiliar with what the year in reviews were going to consist of that you're like, I would push it, you know, just, just shy of a five. You just kind of said that. Uh, oh, that's also... That was it, actually acceptable. Uh, <laughs> that was before I was um, letting myself do more than just the quarter points. Yeah. Yeah. Which you like gave the, Steve crap for for a long time. Yeah, with the point whatevers. Yeah, because just shy is really going to hold up in court. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, none of this will hold up in court, to be honest. But that's true. <laughs> so, what do we talk about? Art? <laughs> you know, that, lawyers would pretty much have our heads. Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, let's, not, let's not get sued. Now, on to the album cover. Yes. Um, I love this artwork because it's the first time in weeks where we, we have something animated. I really love animated artwork. Not in the same way. Like, Gorilla's animated, it, it was more or less very similar to their previous cover for Demon Days, just stylized differently. Here, though, we've got a Titan amongst a crowd, and he's both organic and metallic. Like, he's got tree stumps on him, and he shows wear and tear. It's like a combination of uh, modern-day anime style of big mecha robots with a little bit of steampunk thrown yeah, on the it's, side. It's reminiscent of the Iron Giant, which I'm sure is not by accident. He's got, he's got an a water wood. wheel yeah. for an eye. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you take this, you add in the mossy tones along the edge work, along all the grooves. He, he just climbed up from the sea, clearly. And you throw him right in the middle of a crowd, a fairly faceless crowd, and the contrast of having him yellowed versus the the very dark orange, like burnt oranges and blacks for the crowd. While you can pick out like facial features of the cloud, they tend to be kind of blank, having that extend color-wise to the sides and the top where you have, a, I want to say, a, a, a daytime sky that's been inverted. It's it's a weird effect because it automatically draws your focus to the giant itself, but because he does not look animated, because he has he has the moss, he has not a whole lot of movement in his body placement. Mm -hmm. He looks stagnant. I mean, what's really um, interesting about the coloration of this also is that it's really a lot of yellows and browns. There's not much other color. And black. Burnt orange. Yeah. It's a little bit towards the oranger side of brown. It, it, but it's that yeah. scale. It's orange, brown, and yellow, which is, are all similar color tones. And it's just interesting uh, to, to use that palette, especially when creating something of metal and wood, you might do all brown or brown and gray. It, it's, it's a specific choice also, I think, to show the lighting of the time. Like, it seems like it might even be a twilight moment because it's not quite dark, but it's not bright either. Maybe he's a positive force. I mean, granted, well, course, yeah, I would the say way so. his arms are all stretched out and open, it looks like he could crush the crowd, like, you know, with barely any effort. But at the same time, maybe it's like, you know, arms open wide. I think so. I mean, I would Stemba, honestly say that's what wide. it is. Yeah. His... his, his Mouth is designed in such a way to be slightly smirking, almost inviting. I, it's yeah. it's more of a welcoming gesture to my eyes. Yeah, I don't he, see he it as the, Yeah, as you mentioned aggressive. like an Iron Giant thing before. Now I kind of see him as that. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, just as a, a warm figure. Maybe it's because of the, the color scheme that you mentioned before. You know, he is the only light figure here. He the is world spotlight. is burnt. The world is broken. He comes in uh, from the depths, and they don't expect it. And look at them. They're all dead inside anyway. It doesn't even look like they're running from him. They're just running. They're like, milling about. That's it. That's yeah. it. Well, I would also say robots typically, or something robotic or um, unknown to humans, 
when they're depicted to be aggressive, they usually have sharper edges, like sharp teeth or claws. Whereas here, he's completely rounded. His mouth, his fingers, his body, there's no sharp edges at all. So that also feels warmer and more welcoming. Rounder shapes are softer to observe. And so right. I think that also adds to the welcoming feel. Hence every Disney figure. Ever. Pretty much. Yeah, right? pretty much the bad guys get pointy ends and the good exactly. guys get the Think curves. about Baymax from Big Hero 6. Like, he's just a giant pillow, essentially. Yeah, yeah completely pillow. Yeah. Um, I do like the very subtle way that they put the name and title on the cover itself. Mm -hmm. On the left-hand side, there's a sign that says Flowbots. On the right-hand side, it says No Enemies. They're both idealized as sort of like a letter kanji combination, so you don't quite get them right away. Yeah. I like how they're subtly inserted. Yeah. But once I see them, I can easily identify them. It's a good way to put the Cannot title. Cannot unsee. <laughs> it's, like last week, it's a good way to put the title mm -hmm. in front of you without making it a focal point. I, I like yeah. when they invent their own font. I like when any band does that. Like something, and of course it usually is the case, at least just for the band name. Usually they have a logo that is very, very specific, designed by an artist or designed by one of them, and it's not based on any existing font or, you know, it's kind of, but just using that as like the thing, as to, you see that in other areas of the title itself, something consistent. Which is why things unique. like uh, ACDC and the Star Wars font now exist on uh, Microsoft Word and can download them offline, things like go. that. They become part of the icon of yeah. the, you know, artistic endeavor, whether yeah. it's musician, band, or something like that, whether it's, you know, a style of film or television. Sometimes those can become iconic. But here, this is just a nice little, it's, it's a nice little artistic insert while still getting information across. Yeah. And, I mean, you said kanji, which makes me think, oh, well, of course of course, he's invading Japan. But haven't enough big monsters invaded Japan? No, there's still a few more Godzillas coming out until he fights. Uh, he's going to be fighting King Kong eventually as well. jeez. Uh, that's a thing that's going to happen. Well, they don't look is Japanese it, it, anyway. Is yeah, it, you know, that's actually the end game for the new Godzilla and the new King Kong reboots. They're going to eventually tie in together. <sighs> eh, considering the last King Kong was actually pretty good, and Godzilla was really good. I didn't see either of them, so you, I guess I can't you're actually really talk. Missing, you're missing out on something. Go see it. Um, Save it for our movie podcast. It's good there's a microphone here because I don't think you're convincing either of us. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's it's also King Kong and Godzilla. So Knock John, not... if you're listening and you agree with John, please comment. Please send your hate mail to <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> John. <laughs> no, if he agrees with me, then he doesn't agree with you. Oh, true. oh, there we go. True. Besides, you read the mail more than I do. Um, the <laughs> That's final, also true. The final point of reference, responds. the giant itself is the sleeping giant, which besides being the final track title also gets mentioned in other songs yeah. on this album, so it's also a direct reference to part of the album itself, which is another solid tie-in, for me, at least. Well, and I would figure that the songs probably came before the artwork, although that's not always true. I'm imagining it is here. But they have actually used in the past, and this is another little bit of a side, um, artwork in a webcomic series to talk about different stories to promote the same ideology that their albums were producing. This was, okay. I, this was between uh, Fight With Tools and Survivor Story. It's, it's a dead webcomic now, but it was, it was an endeavor into trying to get their songs into a artistic format. Got it. Besides the music, at least. Right. Um, I liked it, but it was very short-lived, so eh. <laughs> uh, now, uh, unless there's anything else to add, no, no time for I the music. We, we were pretty elaborate. So, first track is called Ophelia. Um, I should say that again because it sounded like I said Ophelia, but it's actually just Philia. 
introduction. Yeah, this is a prelude track, uh, labeled as such, and it's something that I've actually noticed. There's kind of a habit of uh, rock tracks using a voicemail message as an intro track, which is done here, and uh, Blue October has done it, and a few other bands have done it. Whenever I hear this kind of an intro, it's rarely ever positive. Like, it's always someone calling... Well, okay, the intent is positive. It's always someone calling to check on someone else. So the intent behind the call is positive, but it's usually someone in a negative place. I can't remember the last time I ever received a resoundingly positive voicemail. Hey. It's usually, hey, we need to talk or something. (laughs) Just calling to see how you're doing. Yeah. But that's not the only thing going on right here. There is a bit of a mantra chat as well. Um... Let me fail and falter, let my heartbeat alter, let me fall and fumble, let my soul be humble. Okay, that is increasing the reinforcement of the positive negativity. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to phrase what you were talking about in a concise way. Well, well, just really quick on the actual content of the voicemail itself. It expressed concern for one's brother. Uh, so, it you know, it... It's like I'm sorry to bother you. I wonder if I've if one of you heard yet from your brother. Something yeah. happened, you know. And I know you guys stay in touch, so call me back. It seemed like it was coming from the perspective of a mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know that for sure, but you know, there's concern there, and that is a that is wh- whether it's a voicemail or not, whatever. That's just right off the bat concern. Yeah. Um, for a certain person, and then over that you get those words that John read, sort of this rain in the backdrop and the acapella yep. four part harmony. Let me fail and falter. Let my heartbeat alter. Um, it's a dark setup, pretty short, but uh, it blends right into Failure Games very easily because the rain is a constant. Which Failure Games is the second track, but it's funny you say rain because I heard crackling like a fire. I, no, heard I didn't hear static. Huh, interesting. Well, it that's was a more first. because like, also at the end of Failure Games, which we'll get to, I'm jumping really far ahead. But at the end of Failure Games, I hear a similar fire, fire crackling sound, and there are tons of lyrics on this was album. Rain in both places to me. See, and the reason I think I associate it with fire is also because throughout this album, the word fire is sprinkled quite a bit. There's a lot of fire. In ah, the train, now in the we train. have to jump back to the album cover. Were those embers or were those raindrops at ah, the top? Interesting. We didn't mention that part. That's actually, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it that's might, a good it might point. Be, I think it might be embers, only be, because it also reinforces the color scheme. Yes. Right. Burnt and oranges, that, reds, perhaps, yellows. Yeah. Which is why I considered maybe that's true. Okay. I don't right. know. Anyway, oh. failure, failure games. So this uh, track, instrumentally, we get this kind of chimey, tinny sound with piano work. Um, Over a eulogy. That's the only way it can really. It take sounds this like a eulogy. Yeah. It, it sounds like an apology slash eulogy from Brer Rabbit. Well, because it's the way he's delivering it. There's a very somber, um, very flat delivery to it. And the content itself, my brother, we lost you to the waters that have always lied to us. I lost you. Thought my hands were quick, but they were never quick enough. I lost you to demons that have grown up in the crib with us, and I wasn't in your corner when those lies came to fifths It's. I I lost something like yeah, that. This is definitely it screams a song, eulogy a song. P- apology. Yeah, it's, it's nice always for a uh, hip hop album to begin with something that is sung. I, yeah. I do think that's a little more inviting for me in general. Um, and it's kind of in a you know a quick six eight. You got the upright piano in the auditorium feel. Yeah. Not like we haven't heard that before, but you know it's the bare bones chords. I I can't say it was like directly affecting me, but maybe when you consider the the combination with the intro, you know, there was a little something, like, there was that looming ominous figure in the distance that carried over. It was an intriguing this. way to uh, introduce the track, and this verse that, that John just 
said is not even a full verse. It's like an introduction to the it's track. It's really an introduction because it's not. It doesn't really return. Um, it's no. not part of the actual verse, and it's not part of what I'd call the chorus. Right. So let's get into the actual verse, which is of course when the rap kicks in. This was interesting because it actually is sort of divided into four separate stanzas. Granted, of yeah. course, this is the way I like to look at rap music because if you have the chords in the backdrop, you can break up, you know, the giant block of content, which yeah. is what most people see and identify as this one giant verse. But with the chords in the back, you know, it's more of like a minor one, going through a minor one uh, first inversion and second inversion, then into the major six, a uh, seventh chord, and then back to the minor one. It was something like that over most of the entire piece. But so it's just that over, that chord progression is just kind of an overall elegy feel, just played in the piano, which is appropriate. But you get that cycle every single time you have one of these individual stanzas of the giant verse. Yeah, and also when this verse starts is when the drums really come in also. Yeah. So there hasn't really been any drum work at this point. The drum lays kind of a... Uh a, a bit, uh, it's funny I say baseline, but it, it, it adds a ground level, a it, backbone essentially it for this. It slams into force. Like right. It comes with the kick as the lead just boom right yeah. into it. But with a little bit of a, of a hitched beat. Like yeah, a, a hiccup to beat. There's a pl there's almost a playfulness to the drumming here. Considering the rest of the song, that was a little surprising, but it works for what we're we're hearing here. I, I would call it kind of a, it's it's almost like like stage drumming. You know, it feels yeah. it feels distant, a little bit metallic, more more metallic than you'd find in just a, a standard like I guess rock setup. Yeah. Um. So it, yeah, that was probably one of the more interesting things, but. I also did find it was particularly interesting in that, you know, in those four stanzas that I mentioned, he does change his style a little bit within. It's not just a, a consistent flow throughout every single portion of this verse. You know, the beginning, it's just, you know, it's his usual fare, but then it gets faster by the second stanza by the time he gets to those we hold up. Are we lifting them up or are we tying them down to the altar? We anoint our leaders young, but if I had been there in the lobby, would you have made it to the balcony? How many hands do we need to do right by the mouths you feed? And then even more intense by the time you get to the third stanza, the position of the ugly sun has heat to kill the shade away. Dead songs of unwilling servants laid still, but still lay awake. No candles on the death day cake. Couldn't find it on the schedule. Couldn't pull the strings to get it along because I'm all out of Geppetto moves. And then the fourth time, it, it's really, you know, It's intense. like mind-blowing. He's like, he's trying to match the kick drum in intensity. Handcuffs and statutes. Strange fruits make bad juice. State house and don't shoot. The solution of Medusa trying to turn us into statues. If I could only make these hands loose, your mother's voice is the only one that names you. It claims you. And, and then the bridge. The, or yeah, the chorus. 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 I would only call it a chorus because it does repeat, but I guess the, um, like a more neutral term would be the refrain for it's, the song. It's, it, that's neutral. Yeah, that's well, it, that leans much more toward... I can't say it's neutral because it leans more toward chorus. It's chorus. It leans towards chorus. But it is. No, it's a chorus. Stop quibbling about it being chorus. It's a chorus. So here's my problem with when Johnny Five comes in. And yes, I'm going to have a but and a problem to start. I'm going to take John's role. This song, in the, early on in the song, I didn't really get a Linkin Park vibe just because, and I'm talking early Linkin Park, because the, the, they were so cheesy and ridiculous by the time we reviewed them back in the early days of our show that it was barely the same band. But the early days of Linkin Park had this, uh, this, this staggered flow, and then they would have these, you know, Chester Bennington would come in with these echoey, ethereal choruses. And when Johnny Five comes in here, it's very much that. His, his vocals are turned down, they're a little echoey, 
echoey. They are ethereal and they ring out. They even overlap on each other. Line, like the line feels repeated, but it's not. It's said once, but there are definitely layers. No, of no, it. it is repeated. Oh, it is. It repeated. is. It's sort of round robin repeated. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's actually playing with the panning. It's, yes. it's doing the same thing that the drums were doing. Come to think of it, and I neglected to mention that. Just apart from just simply describing them as these stage drums and sounding mm-hmm. more metallic, they were mixed sometimes only in one ear, and then they'd alternate and they'd hop to the other ear, and then yeah. the the drum. Uh, excuse me, the lyrics here were doing the same exact thing. I yes. definitely don't want you to feel the way that you do. And they were kind of spliced. You kind of only hear a portion of the line, and then mm-hmm. it's sort of repeated again. But then it's on the other side of your yeah. ear. So, but the presentation, and this is why I I don't see it as just a Lincoln Park gimmick or anything like that. Right. If for the content, this feels, and this is also the reason why I don't really want to call it a chorus in the old school term of what a chorus is. Oh. It's not supposed to be a ringing out bring together. It's 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 still a part of that eulogy we first got. Yes, I think that's but, a shallow view of a chorus. We have we have looked at so many choruses. No, that no, no. That, this exactly is why I'm a stickler for the specific word. Well, but, because but, it's 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 not it's not a ringing out unifying moment. It's 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 a part of his original plea that it's still throughout the entire song. But that, I'm not saying that's that. why it's coming in that sort of mixing area and sonic area. Yes. Of being ethereal and backdrop and broken up and not quite audible at points. It's specifically because it's that thought in the back of your mind. And I get that, but all I hear is the leak of part cliche because that's exactly what it sounds like to me. I'm past it. Well, that's I'm fine. Past it. This, I, this, I think, actually just works in context of the song. I would, but I'm also not really loving this song at this point. Like, I like the wordsmithing. Um, but instrumentally, it's not really doing a ton for me. It is a little bit of a downturn, mostly because it's so reliant on the drums. Even the bass is only kind of there. The piano kind of gets drowned Down, out. Downturned from what? This is, for all intents oh, and purposes, purpose, the first song. No, 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 no. I'm I'm talking about in general. It's 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 just drums. It's just a drum-heavy song. The drums song. are the most interesting thing. We yeah. all agree on that. And you're right. It's a lot of... This, this is kind of a... a total reduction of the track, but it's a lot of chords, piano, and rain. Yeah. Because I was or hearing fire. rain. For, all right, fine. Chords, piano, and fire. Equally, it's just... It, it's kind of a simplistic thing when you are not looking at the lyrics. Of course, you have to look at the lyrics. Lyrics are important. It's just that sometimes, and we had this discussion extensively last week, you know, the music is the very first thing to bring me in so that I am more attracted to the vocals and the lyrics therein. And I think actually it was working... At this point, at this stage in the game, it was actually working more for K-Flay than it was for these two vocalists. Right. I would say here, I mean, I, I like Br'er Rabbit and Johnny Five, and I recognize their voices, yeah. and I know which is which, and so I'm I'm hooked in on that. But I did feel even when we get to verse two and after that chorus, whatever we're calling it, this is Johnny Five's turn, and I even feel a little bit more of a wall of texty kind of feel here. Like it just yeah, the like way it comes. Famili- it familiarity, break up as much. familiarity is not equal flair. Right. I think that's what this track is lacking. Yeah. Well, uh, I would say that while I don't think the music takes a step up, it does take a t- step to the side with this second verse, because Johnny's delivery definitely is a lot more even compared to Br'er Rabbit's. Yeah. And I'm just going to be shortening that to Rabbit, because I have to. (laughs) In my mind, we're friends. The music gets a little bit more expressive and color-oriented as it does go through a little bit of hiccups. Like when he has the line, so happy birthday, time traveler. There's like, there's a momentary pause in the music to let you hear that word birthday kind of ring out for you. And a lot of these tricks are used throughout this verse to 
allow his more not really deadpan but more even delivery come through with texture by itself it works for me the, well the kick that i got in the first one and the flair that i'm getting in the second verse is working for me it's it is drawing me in not wholeheartedly but it's drawing me into the album i'll i'll lean more toward you there and just pull away in the fact that matt said you know it's a little wall of texty mm-hmm. and actually i think it's more like if you were just to amalgamate the entire track then there is more of a wall of texty thing like, yeah, I mean, but but actually, I do prefer verse two as John does. I think that verse two is probably got some of the better wordplay. I would agree. Some of the better delivery, the better. Yeah, flow. I think it was just at that point. It wasn't necessarily. I I would amend. I would amend my statement by saying it's not necessarily that verse two feels more wall of texty, but by verse two, the whole song uh, I got feels more wall of texty. It probably could have done with a little more interjection with some sort of course work or bridge work or whatever we're going to call the I mean, framework. I, I love Mackenzie and she chimes in pretty frequently on the album. Just here she was kind of nowhere to be found vocally. And no viola. And so it might have broken up the track a little more maybe? I don't know. I'm not sure. Because if she would have served the same purpose that Johnny ended up serving in the chorus we're not sure is a chorus chorus. So, and it, actually she does serve that purpose in the very next track right? as part of the opener. Um, so unless anybody's got something so to So I add? just want to talk about the outro a little okay. bit. Um, this is where I really heard the fire crackling sound. And again, I think I made the connection more after listening to the album a few times because they do comment uh, themselves even in a later uh, postlude about how they refer to fire a lot. And so that's why it was in my head, I think. But also there's... John thinks it's laughing. I think it's screaming. You hear children being loud at the end of the I track. I also heard metal rattling. Yeah. Like, just metal objects dropping on the floor. So Maybe, it, like, chain link fencing or something like yeah. that. Something to that effect. I, it might be the playground that they're... The, spoiler. It might be a playground that they were kind of speaking yeah. at in the uh, postscript at the end of the yeah. album or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I also want to talk about, very briefly, in verse 2, there's a almost a drum solo moment. The drums get a little more erratic, a little more playful, um, allowing them to step forward a bit during the verse, which I think also made verse 2 the better verse because of that instrumental play that That's he worked that, with. Yeah, yeah, it's not really an evolution of the music. It's just uh, it changes in It just texture. changes, yeah. So, yeah, the music isn't going forward, but I like how it's sidestepping and, and working with the vocal work. Yeah, that said so as a for whole, that, it's, a, it's a positive for me. To take a line from Steve, uh, as a whole, this track leaves me kind of nonplussed. Like, I don't... <laughs> that's actually John. That's one that of my things. I have I used in now you're using. I know, I'm using. Um, hey, we've come full circle. But no, like, I, I don't dislike the track, but I'm not particularly uh, over the moon about it either. But, however, when we move to track three, Blood in the River, we're already getting something here that feels more inherently flowbotsy. Well, I don't know because it feels like right away like Appalachian. Well, yeah, it has That's a folky exactly feel. That's exactly where I felt yeah. it. It's just an, more of an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just alternating. Well, not more of it is an acoustic guitar, and it's yeah. alternating in octaves, just that doom, 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 right? And then it's the vocals humming along. It yep. feels dramatic. Ooh. Which is there McKenzie is blood here. in the river yeah. is what they eventually get to. And I like the harmonies, the, the kind of by-the-numbers chord stacking. That's also really mm-hmm. nice. This kind of, you know, one, three, five, like they they climb it up, they overlap. And that's is that is kind of in that like oh death vein you know yeah when we were talking about that in in all the way by diamanda galas but more in not the way she did it but rather in the, the way original. we know it and all we know it from cohen brothers but those those ooze also she does i think four phrases of it and on the second phrase 
her, her vocals go up, but then on the successive phrases it doesn't, which is interesting also to she, sort of she, a standout moment just to kind of step out from what she's doing, which I I always like her vocals no matter what she's doing. And considering the, you know, the acoustic guitar too, just simply doing that dun 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 dun, it I like it's simple, but I like it. It's it's on the other side of that that line for me where it actually is like so thin this section. I almost feel primed for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know my opinion on the minimalism thing, but, again, it's it's sometimes it's just a matter of one playing off the other, you know? Thin, then get bigger. Thin, then get bigger. Um, and that bigger is coming, and indeed it does. As of 50 seconds, boom, we launch right into uh, what is really technically the chorus. How could you wear that? Don't you even care that? Aren't you aware that someone may be scared that? You might belong to. Don't know if you're going to. Please tell me that you'd never want to, even if they taunt you don't let the demons haunt you i know you know that it'd be wrong to even after everything we've gone through you're not alone there are so many who are drawn to the other side you want to place your burdens onto i know your blood is in the river that's what bonds you i hear your voice in everyone you sing the song to now you might be saying well, wow. that's a verse, ain't it? That's a lot. That's a lot of chorus. Because it does get repeated later. I like the way, though, it is a split between, like, the, the hurled insults and then the empowering again said taunts and insults and downers in one life. Mm-hmm. It almost satirically portrays the insults because it's not a full insult. It's the obvious phrase word. Like, how could you ever wear that blank? Someone might be scared that blank. Aren't you aware that blank those blanks are the fill-in of all your own insecurities and all your own insults right so, so the 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 build-up afterwards even if they taunt you don't let those demons haunt you i know you know that it'd be wrong to even after everything you've gone through like that's actually speaking to the person and trying to help them. I, yeah. I love the back and There's forth an of this chorus. Yeah. Which is why, just to return back to the beginning of that chorus, I really, really liked just the single moment in which it dropped because of the 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 build-up to that first syllable, actually, where mm-hmm. he uses a lot of breath just in that, well, of course the letter helps, how, right? And mm-hmm. it just lands with such... You know, how could you wear that and that? So we dropped the beat right. right there with the breath mark. There was just something sonically about that combination that I really, really liked. And also with the return of that sort of stage metallic percussion. Uh, it was just a really cool introduction. And I, I think it was pretty interesting that, you know, I only realized that this was a chorus in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, well, for sure. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know in the beginning either. But what's also really interesting is instrumentally, as the song moves forward, you get a sense of how dark this song kind of is and how it kind of trudges along. Whereas the first song, for the most part, had a, a baseline of kind of trying to be a, uplifting. Here, it's in a much darker place. And with a title like Blood in the River, it, it that has dark uh, intonation. Well, like the tension and the widening of the intervals in the mm-hmm. guitar as they climb uh, with, you know, just a little bit more intensity, wider intervals than the initial octave, it seems. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some strings also droning in the background. Yes. So, yeah, it, it is... It's darker. I feel like there's just more musically here uh, that is actually fulfilling the role, fulfilling well, yeah. their intent behind the track. Whereas, again, the, 
the, the music in the last track was just kind of there. Yeah, the viola drone specifically I want to talk about because that instrumentally I think hooked me the most because it was just a really cool effect on the whole track and I think that's where I get the dark vibe from is that that whole tone that's pretty much consistent throughout the track. Now another interesting thing here is that the verses are kind of, they have different structures, they have different flow structures and of course probably because it's two different singers for each verse. So, you know, the first, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the, the, the first verse but the second verse I, I actually liked more once again just like in the first track or the previous track I enjoyed the second verse I, I forget which was which but I do know it was a different flow it was the, the instrumentation also too was thinner and thus I almost interpreted the second verse as if it were a bridge I feel like it almost has that doubled function well, it's because uh, first verse, which Rabbit takes, it's it, he uses his uh, statement-oriented rap to try to hit home with a lot of negativity. There is a lot of negativity in that first verse, but mm -hmm. the second one, once again, doing the point-counterpoint kind of a thing, which was in the chorus, first negative, then positive, mm -hmm. Johnny's verse... While it doesn't really quite sound more positive, you just read the words, he's a little more flow-oriented, and there's a little bit of like a gospel humming in the background mm -hmm. working with his words. Right. So yeah. that by halfway through, when you when you get that listen for a call here dial tone, and it goes... Yeah. Then it steps in with, but I swear, despite anything I think, say, or do, or try to express, but don't know how to, despite everything I sing about you, because I would be incomplete without... And then you get another one of those big kick drops. Yeah. So there is a positive reinforcement coming into it. And when you throw in the choir on top of that, doing a little bit of backdrop work, when you have it a little bit lighter, a little bit less involved on the deeper scale, it's... It, it's 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 literal positive reinforcement. Well, and there's also a lot more, uh, I think, positive reinforcement in the instrumentation. And for sure, the fact that like after that verse, we get a guitar solo that kind of weaves in and out, adds more interesting color to the instrumentation. That here. was unexpected. Yeah, and I, I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, structure for a track. You know, this is this is one area where even though I said um, just in the last track how like flow wise, I was kind of preferring. Only because last week's album is on the brain right yeah. now, so I was like preferring K Flay's flow, but here I was already liking the 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 track structure yeah. a little bit more uh, because that was very like straightforward pop structure. Not that this isn't, but. Again, it's the subtleties that really matter with me. And in, in, in this particular case, it's the fact that you have this giant, long chorus that doesn't seem like a chorus, but it is the anchoring moment. And then, of course, the giant first verse, you feel like all, so, so much content has already transpired just by that point. And you return to the big, long mm -hmm. first chorus, so that by the time you get to the verse, the second verse, it is different enough, has to be different enough at this point in the song, so that only the second verse feels like a bridge, and then... But at that point, I certainly did not expect an instrumental. Didn't expect yeah. a, a solo. It's well, an instrumental that kind of leads into the guitar solo. And that was just particularly strange, not just because it was a solo, but also because it was like a... We're talking about gospel meets Appalachia, but also meets hip-hop meets classic rock here. This was a southern rock-oriented electric guitar solo that I didn't with, expect for the life of me. With the backdrop of the viola doing just long, drawn notes. Yeah, the drone we were talking about earlier. Which is what it keeps that kind of Appalachian feel to yeah. it. Um, I'll say which, that there's Mackenzie. There's Mackenzie. She's, right. she's she's back. Well, right, but I, I mean, <laughs> we got her in the ooze in the beginning too. I think the thing that still kind of 
confuses me about this track is that it still doesn't feel distinctly like the early parts with Mackenzie in the very beginning felt very uh, Flowbots, but then as the track progressed, it did step outside of my expectation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that I was still having trouble wrapping my brain around. At well, the only thing I'll say is not, it's not inherently new. Like it was still a familiar callback to very familiar genres. Right. I would say that the way you know the Gorillas is the way I know the Flowbots. Yeah. And their progression from album to album is very similar in just the way they've changed themselves to the Gorillas. So That's fair. For, I was having the same sort of issues with some of the Gorillas tracks. All right. So for me, I see an evolution for the Flowbots that this fits right in their style. Based on your familiarity. Be- based That's on my fair. familiarity. Right. And, and the last note, of course, uh, structure-wise, is the fact that there's an outro here, which is exactly the same as the intro, There Is Blood In The River, if you... You know, want to consider that a kind of secondary chorus, really, because that's, well, that's the refrain. Yeah. In this case, you need to talk about refrain not as, you know, intersecting the chorus, but as a separate entity mm-hmm. besides the chorus. For sure. So, yeah, I like those kinds of details that are included to just spice it up. Spice up a familiar format and make it seem like something fresh. Let's go to track four. Carousel. Carousel. So, I, mm, okay. can I, let me take lead on this. All right, go ahead. As okay, and I'm, I'm the defender of this album. Yes, for sure, the advocate, if you the will. advocate for this album. But this one's hard. <laughs> you know what was also hard? The last track that concerned something very very close to this, and that we likened to a carousel, although it was actually called Carnival, and that was only two weeks ago on Humans by Gorillas. Yeah, like that was its whole focus was to sound like a, like a carousel, like a merry-go-round, and, yeah. and you're getting dizzy in the meantime. Here, there are a few positives. Um, one, it's got that really solid beep boop line. Oh, beep boop! All right, it, it's like a. I would liken it to. No, I've said this before. It's, it's no more less referenced than uh, beep boop, and that is a ping ponging synth. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's as descriptive. I'd it's say. arcade synth. It's, That's what it really yeah. feels like. It's a it's a cool layer, and it's there actually throughout the whole entire track. Um, it is a but constant. just in in different um, in different lighting. Like it's present for all verses. It's present for the for the chorus for sure. Uh, but I noticed that in the beginning here, it's doused in reverb. This is yeah. the intro. This is Eva Holbrook who seems to be a featured artist here, just saying the intro, which happens to be the outro as well. In the dead of night, deep inside my cell, saw the brightest light shine from somewhere else. As it came to life, felt it cast its spell, and the carousel was turning. I actually really like the way she closes out that final line. This was interesting, and of course you have the ping-pong in the background, boop, 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 right? And it's all very heavily doused in reverb. And then, interestingly... We don't go from that to a verse. I originally thought that was the verse. Again, if we're just talking about first listen, thought that was going to be the verse, but just as a bookended kind of thing, uh, which we actually just had in the last track. So it's interesting that they're keeping that bookending thing going. We don't get that in every single album. But that's an intro, and then right into a chorus. And I think that's what we really want to talk about. So (sighs) this chorus, to me, and me and Steve have a disagreement on this, and Steve can say his piece, but to me, it rings of a classic Blink-182 chorus because the way Mark Hoppus often sings his kind of nasal rise vocalization is exactly what happens here. And though it doesn't have the wine that a lot of Blink-182 songs have, it definitely has that kind of intonation. And it just rubs me, me the wrong I des- way. I could describe it. It's a couple of short syllables, long, drawn out with a high rise and a very rapid fall at the yeah. end of the phrase. And it, uh, it kind of... It's 
kind of the formula for an earworm chorus, because I know as much as we're not really on board with it, all three of us can definitely hear it when it's done playing. And um, just to confirm, or rather clarify, I'm just speaking about the vocals here. Instrumentally, it sounds like a grunge chorus, which makes this kind of comparison even weirder. Well, grunge's not that far from punk, which is not that far from alt, which is not that far from the punk pop alt of Blink-182, so it's, uh, it's within uh, that But that, that, that is degrees. very far from the Flowbots. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, no. Not completely. You can't even argue. Mm. Why even try? <laughs> no, White Flood Warrior had a little bit, not grunge outright, but a little bit of punk thrown right. in. I, I'll admit they'd like to dabble in a whole bunch of things, but this was definitely unexpected, I think, for all yeah. of us. Yes. But what Matt started to bring up is just the fact that, of course, me and him have a different connotation with this. But we did end up agreeing on grunge, although yeah, I had to kind the of... The instrumentation. I, I was the first one to mention grunge, although I had to kind of steer you to it just in the fact that you need to listen to that bass line. The right. bass here is a, yes. it's archetypal grunge to me. But there's there's another little element that I think is grunge that really solidified this whole thing is just, you know, reaching out from the mid-90s. And that was the fact that, to me, he doesn't sound like uh, Blink-182. He sounded, to me, more like Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. For me, like, since you described, John, you described sort of vocally what he was doing, I will also do that. It's something in the back of the throat. It's very glottal. It's when he lands on that syllable carousel. I'm on a carousel. Like, it's, it's all... I don't know what vowel that is. It's between an A and an E, and I don't know what it is, but it's there. I, I still say he's adding a little bit too much R yeah, into it. Yeah, and, and I think you thing. were adding far too much wine when you did it. The point is, we have different brains, and they went different places, because <laughs> well, he's doing neither, really. Well, actually, like what I described, though, still works in like Jeremy. It's it's still very much the, how the, Jer- the I, Jeremy I, chorus goes. Tra- this is ex- so this is what it's doing. It's exactly like Jeremy, and that's why I... I mean... It's not exactly like Jeremy, it's the same faith, it's the, the sound, <laughs> but it's the, uh, I don't know, it's just connotation, that's all it is, but it's not a great chorus. No. No. I'm it cons- doesn't really matter where our brains go, so- this is very, like, it is detached maybe from the band, it's detached just from the intro, and it's detached from the verse that follows, it's it's bizarre, it, it, it's, no matter how much I, they like to dabble. I'm conflicted, but what I can say definitively about this chorus is that it's cheesy, I and don't... What, and what John was saying is that it is an, unfortunately an earworm, but like, it's also an earworm because it's four words. Oh, well, right, but like we made fun of centuries, love it or hate it, it stuck with us. We still remember it. We still remember it. We remember it. It did and its we probably job will for, centuries. for centuries. So th- this has a similar feel for sure. I mean, th- this is pop pretty much through and through. But yeah, when we get to the verse, it's interesting because it takes a shift away from this grungy kind of feel. And yeah, it seems to just go kind of on alt-rap. Yeah. Alt-rock rap. Like, that's exactly where it decides to settle. Which I guess is is the spiritual in between the introduction and the chorus? Maybe. Like, maybe? It's, less, it's less ethereal. It's a little bit more direct. Just less less reverb in general. The, but as a result, I found that the ping-ponging actually kind of shines through more. That happens mm-hmm. even more in the second verse. Same for the third verse. I actually could swear that the, the, uh, the ping-ponging synth there was getting more prominent throughout the song, but maybe not. Maybe it's just that at that point I realized that it had never left, that it was the only constant, the only thing that is towing you through these bizarre shifts in well, tone for verse and chorus. Well, 
Well, yeah, and I mean the outro, which is also different and similar to the intro, which for me were some of the highlights of the track. I think also what I struggle with is the lyrics didn't really stand out to me. I mean, besides the chorus, because you can't forget it if you wanted to, the rest of the lyrics fall past me a bit. I will argue that only because verse two, when Rabbit steps in, I really, the first few lines make me just pay attention to the rest of it. We are aliens and odd ones, orphaned by chosen boundaries, adorned in algorithms, the schisms of hidden industries. That's just freaking solid. And that right there yes. was enough to draw me into the rest of that verse. It's good writing. Um, I, well, this is a, a kind of a weak critique, and I'll admit that. But that's only the fact that there was a strangeness in the shift yeah. that was distracting. Yes. And it distracts me from these lyrics. And also, ironically enough, the thing that I like, the ping-ponging synth, is in its own way kind of distracting. Mm -hmm. That I don't agree with. That I felt like it was just kind of there. But it's one of the reasons why... As I, I, it's a weak, I said it's a weak critique. It is because, you, of course, you should have, you should, you know, you should multitask. You should look at all things at once. And we do try to do that. I'm just saying I did not notice this wordplay as much because I had to do what I do on a lot of hip-hop tracks, and that's go back and read. Once you read, then lots of success there. Which is one of the reasons why, like, the, the kind of problem I'm having gripping this track, sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it, and it doesn't just, it's not even flip-flopping every time I listen to this track. Sometimes I'll like it three times in a row, and sometimes I'll hate it ten times in a row. It's It's a weird spot. I've grown to enjoy it more over the dozen plus listens I have on this album. But my first time, most assuredly, and the second and probably third time, I really just did not like the track, primarily for the chorus, but a little bit for the ping pong ball, which, yeah, felt distracting. Once I grew familiar with the lyrics, I saw it as a nice backdrop to set the setting and not much more than that. And for me, successive listens uh, solidified one thing uh, alone, and that is the fact that my favorite parts of this track are unquestionably the intro and the outro, which like is I was also earlier, very, yeah. very, very strange because they are such kind of benign parts of the bulk of the track, yeah. but yet they do set it up and they're the last thing you have. So you have to kind of consider them as having some level of importance, but yet it's such short span of time, all yeah. things considered. This, this track as a whole is a kind of a head-scratcher for me, especially for album arc. Like, I mean, and we'll talk more about arc later, but at this point, we're kind of all over the place, and I'm a, my, my eyeballs are spinning a little bit at this point. Maybe because you're supposed to feel dizzy, <sighs> like you're on a carousel, and you're, uh, you know, you're, you're getting rocked around, and you don't know when no, he's going to stop him. He's going to speed up. Bad Steve. Bad Steve. <laughs> Don't and pull a John. I, she says the carousel is turning, and she sounds dizzy, and that's actually my favorite part of the track. So yeah. you know what? It, it, at least musically, it worked there. The other abstract ways, if they indeed intended that to be a carousel, just didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. But while I this this didn't break me out of the album, except possibly the first time I listened to it, um, I think it was quarantine <laughs> that cemented this album as like. I, I, I was falling in love with it. I'll be straight up with that. And it's almost straight from the first words of the verse, I just fell in love with the flow of this track so much. 
Circle up, circle up, civil servant serpents, peace we demanding to serve it up, stirrups on our certainty. The tide will turn, we're turning up, we're turning, tides no turning us. The tide is high, the turn is up. And don't look now, the surf is up. The surge is us when sickness is pervasive. Cause I see the sails of conquistadors and slave ships. The vectors lie adjacent and spread by our complacence. Our media rephrases their pain as entertainment. Yeah, that is that's it's great. amazing. Great wordplay. However, Aww. musically here, we're getting something even more bizarre than the previous track, or as bizarre maybe. So the track starts. Instru- this track on, starts on instrumentally on par bizarre. The track starts in- instrumentally with this like static crackle and a thumping driving bass. It's eight bit drums. Essentially, it, it, it's it's one of those kind of textures. It feels like it's a drum set kind of run through a MIDI machine or something like that. I just thought the percussion sounded kind of muted at first, um, but then it does explode into this heavy, irregular synth. But Se- seemingly irregular. It's just a little bit disjointed. That's all. Like every measure, it's really more on like the you know four and one. But then in that case, you have to count the the pulse of this very very slowly. So it's possible it's like the second measure of a of two you know four fours, and you're counting a double pace, and then it be you know three four one but whatever whatever point is point is that's pretty much it it's just at that at the pace in which it comes back it sounds very disjointed it's odd and it gets odder still with once again the chorus <laughs> the chorus is i again i said on par bizarre only because this goes in different areas so the line the- here is we need a quarantine this ancient war machine is broken and I, I, I don't even know where to begin. You might as well just... You have an idea so, for what this links to. I mean, it links to, for me, very heavy in the aughts, the new metal kind of sound. This idea... Like, if, you know, if you're familiar with David Draymond of Disturbed, the theatrical, sonorous delivery, that's what this track has. And it with the grindy guitars and the heavy tinny drums, it really does feel like a metal track, a new metal track, rather. And it's just really weird... I will say I didn't have my own, like, personal reference for this one. Like, not yeah. as strong as I had, like, you know, the Eddie Vedder reaction. But I kind of saw both of your interpretations. You saw it, yeah, in the new metal vein. You mentioned the band Disturbed, and yeah. I saw that. And then John said something else, and he said Michael Bolton. Yeah. Which is a whole other genre. Which... But yet, that, that, again, when you just think about Bolton's voice, I feel like it has been used in a lot of, like, new metal-oriented stuff. More in, like, the way his, right. his vibrato, very kind of larger-than-life singing from his chest, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. And that is equally weird, really, as the grunge stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would consider- agree, too. And, like, instrumentally, once you kind of adjust to the drum I mentioned before and the grindy guitar work, that kind of just stays. The choruses are identical every time they come back. And the, the verse instrumentation doesn't really change that change up that much either. And because this chorus pops out again that way, it just feels kind of as cheesy as the last chorus there's did an- in the previous song. And there's another thing, actually, that occurs right after the chorus. Um, and then I believe later it occurs over... Uh, the final outro, and that's like this wall of the Wayne's World, like to a T, and that was equally odd. Although I guess we're in the same era, nineties, nineties, two thousand, sure, very vaguely. As much as I agree on the chorus front, the verses to me were just too strong to be dragged down too far by the choruses. Well, let me clarify that I think that the flow of the verses were fantastic. I just think the instrumentation 
didn't add to it. It didn't take away from it either, but it was just kind of, that was definitely driven by the vocals. I'm going to clarify further, and by clarify, I mean refute. Okay. <laughs> that is rather that I didn't, I was not as impressed by the flow. I was impressed by the wordsmithing. That is um, where yeah. I want to point it All out. Right. And honestly, in this case, the cal- the caliber that's going on right here is a little bit better than the negativity of the music. Yeah. Like as as the music well, drops down, in this song, which is the first time we've really gotten that on the record, and the content, which it speaks to, we need to quarantine ourselves. So that we don't break out and cause havoc, that we are—it's for also the first time they um, are talking about the sleeping giants with the very mm-hmm. last line of the ver- last verse. We've awoken sleeping giants. It's—it's it's that cor- kind of gut check moment when you realize, oh crap, we've done something that's going to get us screwed up. Yeah. So yeah, you. It's talking about you. You better. You better stop us now, or else you won't be able to stop us later. Yeah. You. You better do something now to to curb us before we break free from this quarantine. Yeah. So, it's a different message. It's it's a it's a really cool warning to my ears. Yeah, but the song as a whole still really isn't doing it for me. I'm just still left a little confused. I, I was there last week. Yeah. I think the music is still a little bit better than my than it was last week. Last week is going to be a, very difficult for me to escape constant comparisons because they're yeah. both hip-hop uh, albums, even though they pull from completely different areas of hip-hop. And Nevertheless, I find myself kind of looking... Like, very rarely do I have this set of criteria so clearly defined yeah. in front of me where right. I'm looking at all of these different columns and I actually kind of can make it a little bit more clinical than usual. Like, flow, check mark, or rather in this case, a little. I preferred the flow uh, in K-Flay's stuff. Yeah. You know, but musically, there's clearly a lot more going on here, yeah. uh, especially deeper into the album. Uh, but yet there's more well-rounded, like, likability in the early portion of K-Flay's album. And I don't know, I'm just finding something keeping me at arm's length here, despite yeah. all the stuff that I can concede is really full of talent. I, well, that's, I think it's because up until this point... There's been a lot of aggression and a lot of confrontation that is not usually present in the flow bots in this level of amount. Yeah. <laughs> failure games to failure games to now is just been a lot of not blame being thrown around, but there is a simmering rage that usually only shows up in one or two tracks when they start designing their sets. So having simmering rage over and over and over again is even in Carousel, it was a little yeah. bit present, just in the way the, the kick was just hitting you in the face. So it's different. Yeah. So well, I mean, that's for sure. There's a lot of gut reactions going on right here, which I think is why it's keeping you at arm's length. But here, yeah. I mean, quite a bit in Blood in the River, but here I'm, I'm entranced. You know what I'm going to, um, where I'm going to meet you halfway, and that is the fact that I respect this in a grander sense. Literally just for the wisdom and the approach, kind of like your rant in the beginning about how, you know, they are trying to be the force for good and there is a warning behind, you know, the rising of people who are going to sort of confront the big bads in the world and how that should be taken with a grain of salt and yet at the same time we will remember this as the moment, as the moment, you know, we were born, let it be known, crush the demons of the past, we now stand together, now raise an army from the ash, we call upon whoever hears the message to react, then all is one we smash the gears of death and push it back like 
there's layers of guilt here that are layered in, infused into this almost like patriotic sense of what needs to be done. I don't know. I, I, I always like, and we've said this before about protest tracks, I like when you have kind of the, the double-edged sword at all times. I like seeing that. Um, I, and it's really hard to explain why that's not getting me more just from a musical angle. I guess it's mainly for the reasons that I mentioned before, but remember this really is just kind of like what I was experiencing with K-Flay in terms of like how later in the album I was all about her message, I felt for her, I related. It was a, actually a heavily, I was heavily relating to that album and yet I was not as connected to the music. So yeah, this is just very weird to have this uh, two albums back to back. Very similar experiences. Deja vu. Well, let's move on to track six, American Dreams, which... As far as what we've been getting previously, we do take a bit of a shift here because the intro work here is all piano and viola and nothing else. No beat, no nothing. The drum builds and comes in, but not until the end of the first verse. In the you very get a beginning, bit of light bass. Right. In the beginning, instrumentally, it's just piano and viola, which was nice. But it, the viola, the strings in general, they do get cut out. They're kind of, they're abandoned for the piano. Yeah. And I, well, the piano was nice. It was nice. I, I'm not going to comment too heavily on it yet, but I do think it, it served the early portion of the song. It was, after all, a relief uh, from, I think, some of the previous tracks, just in terms of there being a little bit more, I don't know, warmer instrumentation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And yet the drums, interestingly, are quite sharper. When that, I kind of enjoyed that, so I always, I, I think whatever the drums are doing, I usually like. It's really just in what, in, in what area do they shine? You know, mm-hmm. what else is is lowered and cleared out of the way in order to uh, focus on the drums? But then the chorus, of course, the the uh, strings do return, and the chorus is interesting because the strings being there normally kind of take all my focus off everything else and just put my focus on the strings and yet i was really liking the just the the catchiness of the chorus and the way they sing scheming for a way to stay up dreaming of the day i wake up there was something about this that got stuck in my head although i kept thinking that he was saying wednesday every time (laughs) it was dreamy significance of wednesday it was a very passive chorus uh in in a deeper register but the drums really kick it up monstrously and go crazy for a moment there just just throughout this chorus and then they recede back when we go back into the verse yeah the, yet the just... drums the drums don't actually add energy i want to say yeah they add complications which i think put the slower wordplay in better relief to make it feel dreamy and kind of like off the cuff yeah well and also the instrumentation in the second verse like you said in the very beginning the intro of the second verse the piano goes completely. It's gone. Yeah, and then it comes back in. And, uh, f- frankly, that's why I kind of, you know, I was going to say more about the piano because I feel like I was more anticipating what could have been a piano heavy track, like just the bare bones chords again, kind of like what I experienced in track two. And I, in general, you know, that that reduction of the piano's role and its overutilization is, can get very tiring. But that's not really the correct characterization of this track at all. No. Because the piano is really just there to lead you up to the point where really much better instrumentation takes over and you do need that incline uh, for this track to work. Um, it it's really starts to happen with the second verse. The saxophone enters in here. Um, I thought I even heard a trumpet, but I think it was just the saxophone. I think it, it was it just the saxophone. A, yeah. It, it was trying to play towards the brass was, register yeah. of the trump. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then, of course, the area where it really shines after the second chorus is when I believe maybe even it was even the backdrop over the second chorus. I'm not sure there, but the instrumental, the yeah. solo. It is a full sax solo, and it was gorgeous. Once again, it was accompanied by long viola bows, mm. yep. but it starts integrating the bass, the drums, the piano all into it. And it leads into another chorus, which is kind right. of what you do. And that that but, was one of the best transitions, by the way, yeah. so far. Yeah. Well, uh, as Matt it, said, it kind of shoots right back in. And mm-hmm. that was a great wording because of the way uh, the... The, the saxophone itself kind of is already in the upper register and then it has this little roll um, at least on a piano you term it a roll I don't know if they still call it a roll on a saxophone I'm sure they do but it's right and then it's, it almost feels like it's breaking apart a chord but it's really just a run up, up the scale and it lands right there with the chorus but it doesn't cease at that moment no. there's overlap here it's not like that like that's the end of the saxophone's part and it goes off stage it stays around and there's really beautiful comping here over the final chorus that I don't think it was doing earlier yeah the percussive thump that comes back back to bring us into that transition for the final chorus really gives this breath to it that the saxophone just enhances. And then even after that final chorus, we get an instrumental outro that's yeah. beautiful. Absolutely and it's incorporating yeah. all that instrumentation we've been getting the whole track. This is such a cohesive and beautifully structured musical track with great vocals to go with it. It really is a when I first got really sucked into this album. This is a track... Um, that I think above that of any of most other tracks on this album, and maybe even most other tracks on last week's album, this has one of the better arcs within a singular track. I would agree. And it still is saying things that are hitting me lyrically, uh, particularly the end of the the verse work completely. Be the crowd of misfits where the lyrics spit. The merits of the heretic is where the patriot lives. And we to hate to relive what it takes to forgive. Can't forget what we did. Better yet, let's amend to protect next of kin by accepting our sins. I mm, I love that. Because yeah. this song is talking about how effed up the history of the quote American dream has been. been yeah. The 10 million rests in peace below deaths is the murder of all the indigenous individuals of mm-hmm. the United States when settlers started coming in. And it talks about all the sins we've had yeah. in our country's history with the, the the annexation of certain areas, kicking out people, enslaving people, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And it talks about how back then we did wrong, but now we can we can choose a different way to yeah. do this. Again, and it we does can accept the, that we've been wrong in the past so that we don't make the same mistakes. It's taking a positive spin on something, bringing it to light and talking about these negative things, but then saying that we can rise above it and putting it back on the person and back on change and action. Without to, blaming to fuse, us. That's the yeah. that's the thing. Without blaming anyone. Well there are there are some there are some slights that are thrown uh at, at certain people's direction, I do believe. Um, and I want to cross that with another thing that you referenced early, maybe not even on air yet, I don't know. And that was the how this album and the flow really does excel. The wordsmithing excels at alliteration, um, just besides the rhyme scheme. I particularly like the line in that second verse, more cautious than Caucasian condiments. Yeah. That is, it, it just has a really nice flow to it, but also the meaning behind that, not just how it rolls off the tongue, more cautious than Caucasian condiments. Yeah. It's and not the, the fact, full line. Like, well, full I, line. I know, I know. And claims of common sense more cautious than Caucasian condiments. I know, that's what I was getting to. The fact that if in context, in context, because, you know, you pick up single individual lines and that's what kind of draws my ear 
right? Right. And then you read in full, and it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting, because even just the imagery of Caucasian condiments, yes, they do tend to be pretty cautious, pretty safe. Uh, I would be very bored with my food if that's all I had. Yeah. Thank God we live today and not like 50 years ago when supermarkets were a little bit more, you know, austere. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, claims of common sense more cautious than Caucasian condiments. It's a very hip-hop thing. You, yeah. you, ha- you establish the reference, right, which seems like an obscure reference, but in this part, there's a little, there's a deeper layer there, yeah. you know, and so the slight that I was mentioning beforehand is, of course, the fact that I think a lot of people are a little bit reserved, and sometimes, yes, that's the, the guilt, you know, that we, kind of the line that we walk on this uh, podcast, because, of course, you really have to start even before John, what John <laughs> read, that was really what I was going to do, and that is, we resume our occupations, claim of co- claims of common sense, more cautious than Caucasian condiments, you know, you the you go about your daily routine, yeah. because that's going to allow you to avoid, you know, the other thing, like how we always say at the end of the day, well, we're a music podcast, so where's our, you know, our, our say in yeah. the thing? It's us kind of walking the line, and at times we have gone uh, in depth, but, you know, sometimes... Sometimes you should. Sometimes it's worth it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) All right, I got it. You don't know. Let's move on to track seven, Rattle the Cage, which is the first single from this album as well, which is curious to me. I I I remember exactly the date it was released because this is what hyped me up for this album tremendously. So this uh, bigly even. Um, it was the day after uh, uh, the election. Yeah, they released it the day after Trump was elected. Damn, and I do remember that. So. Um, this track starts in a similar way to two other tracks that we've referenced, Moments, and then I'm blanking on the track on the K-Flay album. Um, it was, oh, it was the second track, um, uh, Giver. Both these tracks have heavy thumps in them, and this is a track that starts with a heavy thump as well. That, But I don't feel it has the same kind of dive-in impact that those other two tracks It's did. a little more reserved, only yeah. because the... Well, here's how I describe the heavy thump, because, well, I never like leaving it at heavy thump. Right, That's why I went in-depth on actually each of those two tracks and the specific sonic effect that it has because I'm, I'm equally as into this but I, I don't think it uh, reaches the same height but I like where it starts and that's the fact that it's just the kick drum um, not very much else and also the way it's mic'd is pretty interesting very clean uh, not muffled rather but there's no anything all the space in between each thump feels like it's just been cut out either that or it was never allowed to continue uh, that's what I find kind of interesting. So it's just the thump that doesn't have this resonating effect. It feels isolated and cut off from everything. And that is very different, actually, than those two other tracks. But yes, it, it does, it is inviting in the same way because it's, it's in 4-4 and it's just the big 1-2-1-2. It's, it's pounding. I did it in 2-4. But anyway, just the bass. That's actually when this got really good. But I do think that is the that is the plateau. That is the climax that we reach and it plateaus there for a long while. But it is a kind of a great setup that allowed me to I think ignore the fact that this track plateaued. The bass drum combo is honestly one of the best just in the whole funk rock uh ilk. And here there's it, there's no shortage of it. It's just the, the isolated sensation of each because the same thing that I described that was done to the drum is also done to this bass. Space is cut off in between, but because now you have two two textures, two timbres, they're fusing together and filling up some of the gaps. I interpret, I mean, it's all a constant beat by beat syncopation. I, I was loving it, even though it, you know, stays pretty much the same. 
I mean, well, actually, that can works. I go any more roundabout? Well, that works to the way the rap is presented because it's not presented in just filling out each line with syllable work. There's a lot of bleed over back and forth with the end of phrases and the beginning of phrases into what would be the normal count. I can't get my computer to boot cancel everything. There's an active shooter on campus every day. What's that have to do with me? My movement would never take anybody's life. And that extra line, anybody's life, kind of becomes like a half-measure phrase. But that doesn't become a pause after that half-measure. You go right into the next one. What I have to do to prove it to you, whatever say, we are not alike, we are not alike. And that kind of brings it back on track with the count. So this back and forth over the steady lets you weave the flow a little bit more. I mean, he's still... He's still counting the one, two as he's going along, but it's it's not beholden to filling out every line, you know, in, in even measures and even tones. I like that flow. It allows it to break up a lot of the meaning and the emphasis without having to screw around with any sort of inflection or anything like that. It, it's a great way to showcase words and syllables. I want to read this entire first verse because there's something here that I, I was almost despite that we're talking about like an election day, post-election day release, there's something about the who this is meant for that I find kind of interesting. I can't get my computer to boot, cancel everything. There's an active shooter on a new campus every day. What's that have to do with me? My movement would never take anybody's life. What I have to do to prove it to you? Whatever. Say we are not alike, we are not alike. Look at me, look at you. I can see what you do from the evil I separate. Look at you, look at me. I maneuver and flee. From you people I segregate, get it straight. We are not alike, I don't peddle hate. I just go to the booth and I meditate. And I breathe and I eat and I puke and I defecate. Don't rattle the cage if you want to come out. And that's the chorus. Now it's interesting here, what's that have to do with me? My movement would never take anybody's life say we are not alike as if it was actually directed towards some of the more, you know, like radically oriented, not peace-minded people within his own movement and using that as the bridge crosser between each side. Right. It's just kind of interesting that that was thrown in because I lose track almost of the in- intended reader. Well, because it also sounds like it could just as easily be towards the extremes on the others, the opposite side, not yeah. just within his own party. Yeah. So, And this is not like a politically like, you know, see what you want to see kind of thing. It's just I actually do lose track of it at, yeah. at various moments. I which, don't know exactly which, who he was speaking to. Which I think is uh, key to good wordplay. I think also um, what's interesting is after this verse, when we go to the second verse in the song, Johnny is now not rapping, he's singing. Which is, which is interesting. But it's actually really refreshing because... I don't think I've ever really heard him sing before. I mean, definitely not like this at length. Um, you know, he sung lines, or like even on the first track, he had those ethereal sung moments. But, but definitely, it's, it's there's a his, focus here. In in previous parts where he does sing, he's singing in his rap voice. Right. Like he's singing the way he. He's raps. actually singing. Here. This is this is this actually, is melodic. Yeah, fire in the sky, masses at the border, shadows in the night, faces of disorder. Rivers made of blood, skeletons in closets, bodies in the mud, torturers on the crosses, wretched of the earth, undeserved sentence, reckoning of curses, long-awaited vengeance, executed messengers piled upon the entrance, clamor of the stenches threaten overwhelm the stenches. Like, it's, it's very pretty singing. Yeah. Of really dark theme work. Yeah. Which is weird. 
It's, yeah. it's a nice odd <laughs> spot to be in. I like it a lot because of how odd of a spot it is. Well, I think what's I think also what's interesting about it is what the instrumentation that follows afterwards because we get some focus with the viola, which does some modulation here too in the instrumental, which I liked because it gave you this kind of aha moment where you can focus on the instrumentation and kind of go on a little trip with it before you come back to the song again. It it brings a moment of focus on a track that otherwise meanders but with good reason. Like, I don't feel like me- it meandering is a negative, but it just gives does give a moment of focus within the track. The modulation it, was a really, really beautiful thing. I mean, it was like, a it, it started off as if it was just going to be a chord change and it went through this little, you know, aside that I thought was going to return. I do believe, though, that when it returned to uh, the next verse, it was... It was in a separate key. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know that for sure. Uh, but it was it was a departure. It was a chordal departure, unlike we've heard again in uh, this album or last week's album, or actually in a few albums. Not a lot. I haven't heard a lot of modulations recently. It also does something in the tail end bridge, uh, which is another kind of like refocusing the meander a bit. When the bridge has the uh, the choir work mm-hmm. doing we rattle the cage because we want to come out but Johnny interjects with in the war against fear we are on the same side in the yeah. war against fear we are on the same side that's why we rattle the cage that's why we rattle the cage so it's a it's a little bit of that kind of brings the two together branch. yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a I, I think you're wrong but we're actually trying to do the same thing. Yeah. That's why it's interesting because, you know, you, you've you heard that from so many sides. The, the the earlier thing that I that I read, you know, what do I have to do to, to prove it to you? My movement would never do that, you know? Always yeah. just kind of like, you know, but distancing yourself from, from the, the bad people in your own movement. Like, that's not me, whatever, that's not me, not relevant, not relevant. And it just feels like that's been the battle cry of each and every movement for, like... 10 years, you know, and really forever, but it just seems to be getting louder and louder and louder, and there's never any, like, you know, well, let's just reason out and, you know, crunch the numbers kind of thing. It always just, just, no, I'm not them, but then another happens, and it's just, you know, response, response, response. I, I, it gets very tiring, and yes, it does feel like this is a moral to sort of address that from, from both sides. It's interesting. I, I, I do appreciate that, again, just from a wisdom standpoint. All right, on to track eight. Buried Alive, which I might go as far as to say is probably one of my favorite choruses on the album. Not my favorite, but one of my favorite. It's probably the same level of I'm on a carousel in that it got stuck in my head, yet it was so much more pleasant. Well, because this, so much time, more pleasant. this time the chorus leans more into an R&B soul kind of place, which just has a vocal quality that is way more inviting than the that other chorus that you mentioned. At points it was like, a, especially in the second verse, the vocals came off as like borderline smooth criminal kind of a croon. Like yeah. It, it, was, it was trying so hard to put me at ease and be like R&B edged rap and hip hop. Which is a little bit different. This is actually one of the biggest like vocal departures I really wanna I really hear on this album. Yeah. But I I I thought it actually fit the overall feel of what we've been getting. Well very well. Well, because also the instrumentation supports it really well because besides, you know, the drums and the bass and all the stuff that we've had before in previous tracks, um, 
me and Steve were talking about, and Steve pointed out that it's a the there's a cymbal tap that's pretty much consistent throughout, but it's a 12/8 cymbal tap that adds that effect that I think builds out that R&B soul experience. 12/8 or maybe even 12/16 at the pace that it's going, I almost feel like you could just count it in 16 the four groups of three. Da, 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 da. And it's why there's parts that also sound like it's kind of doing a when when she he's singing, there's parts that sound like it could be in kind of a swing thing because of that triple meter setup. And uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty nice, but you know, it's soul R&B. It's a nice little change of pace for the album. And the chorus, I agree. It's I, I may not love it as much as YouTube do, but it's it's pleasant. It's the way they gently sing "Buried Alive, Buried Alive" with the strings just kind of gently doing their thing. It was one of the more gentle choruses on this album. So I I, I don't really see the comparison to uh, Carousel per se. Uh, uh, as John said, it, for me, it was that same kind of earwormy it's an earworm. level. That's just all in the earworm say. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was a debatable earworm. I guess this is just well, you earworms know. aren't good or bad. They're it's just true. there. They're just there. They yeah, just exist. They let them exist. Um, I think but, also something really strong about this track for me are the verses here because these I feel are some of the tightest verse work, vocalization, and um, um, lyrical flow content, on the album. Yeah, I don't think they were going all out with the alliteration. Well, and the no, but I think the content everything. here is really great. Yeah, I really enjoyed, it, especially towards the end of the first verse. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing, but it, towards the end, I'll, I'll point it out. Now, I know you heard of me. I know you saw. I know you're cursing me. Round of applause. Like, I don't deserve to breathe. Like, when he's not. Like, when I was personally trying to be God. Now, some of us murder and some of us lie. But I am not one of them. I am not one of them. Why? Pull out a gun to survive. Fire a gun and then die. And then in the background, you hear a thousand deaths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you really knew me, you would know I am afraid of the dark. And that line right there, the way it kind of just gets presented to you. If you really knew me, then you would know, try to be brave of heart. And that yeah. one is another just presented line. They're both line. very um, bland. Not bland, but very stoic almost. And then and then the, the little cheekiness that steps in. But monologue, monologue, stereotype, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Wow. I didn't even pick up on this, how yeah. much this, like the theme connectivity between this and the last track. Oh, yeah. It oh, is all, once again, locked. continuing in terms of that sort of wry, sarcastic, you know, I distance myself, I distance myself, but how can any of us distance our ourselves yeah. in in truly yeah. i did not pick up on that the first time yeah it's just the first line of the song the song they're each, paired really each well. movement that i make could make a movement uh wow yeah <laughs> you know if, if anyone if anyone like is happy with this particular subject matter that we're discussing at least in terms of like diving deep i would actually encourage them to m jump to a separate episode whenever they feel inclined that would be episode 236 where we talk about actually extremely by snooze and we had our individual monologues i had one of the longer monologues there but it was kind of an approved monologue in terms of just us trying to tackle how we talk about uh tracks of this nature and how art uh tackles these subjects um and I don't know, I think it might be a little bit relevant here because a huge portion of that rant was literally on the concept that, you know, every word that you say, you know, has the ability to trigger something else that was entirely beyond your prediction. You know, each movement that I make could make a movement. And it feels good to... I suppose get it off your chest and like you're making a difference at various times though it can intersect something that you never wanted to to start off with and then you have to debate with yourself does that make it your fault you'd like to say no I didn't cause that but but did you which you know is, which it, is actually, every word takes a lot it's it deserves it's, a lot of uh pause it's actually summated beautifully in the sung third verse 
If you could ever know the thoughts I've known and seen what I have seen, all the spiteful stones that I've thrown did not protect me. I want you to know these heavy stones nearly crushed me. If I'd only known that heavy load that brought me low would help me grow, I wouldn't be buried alive, buried alive, yeah. buried alive. Yeah. Like that, and, and even this this repetition of the chorus at the end is it, it starts with a low version that kind of hints clean, itself more in. clean cut yeah it's 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 barely audible and then it goes right into the big one mm-hmm. that's a trope it's a trope that works for me like really well to reiterate this yeah. course that I'm thoroughly enjoying it worked there but we do it's have a, to it's acknowledge a trope. that it's it, yeah i got as much as i'm i i really like enjoyed over a track like this on an album it's still pop formula yeah. it's still set up that way it's just that i mean it's breaking bounds because we got three different verses with two yeah. different singers, songwriter, lead artists, and a lot of these formulaic things that they're doing because so much of this album is going to be very much a pop standard style. It just goes to show the narrow line that we walk. You know, honestly, I feel like our listeners can almost see like that sort of dawning moment, of, like yeah. literally here on the podcast because I wasn't like. I wasn't, you know, gung ho about the song, but then you see something that, you know, a lot of a lot of art has wisdom to share, but some of it can be very redundant and some of it is is almost tiring at times and I almost never see people talk about it. And I didn't think that this track was about this. You just have to read. I think the only area where it fails as much was what like what I was saying in in Kayflay, you know, last week is that I don't think I was picking it up without reading. Right. And uh, I had you had to go to lyrics and you have to be reading along, but that's just how my brain works. Some people, you know, they just pick the stuff up immediately. You know, I I've seen people they already are memorizing the entire track. They never even have to go to, you know, lyrics.com. They don't need the book the the liner notes. They don't need any of that. That crap they're just they i don't know a kind of a photo identic memory for for lyrics for me it, i have to be reading as if i was reading an essay then i get the stuff and for those of you out there listening to spotify on your mobile devices when listening to bands like this and a lot of the other things we've done now it links to genius if you just download the darn app and while genius yeah, is go. not perfect it'll actually come up with a pop-up that says would you like to read along as you're listening yeah. to this so there you go now you have no excuse no excuse at all. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, though, the music just supports it, and then you memorize the lyrics because of that. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing. So I, it's not that I'm completely abolishing my original thing, but uh, the last little bit I want to read just before we go into the next track, and that is, um, well, kind of what I was saying before. A little bit of wisdom is a dangerous thing, and I don't give a damn without a militant Eve. I'm deep, but I'm not. Kind of backtracking on his yeah. own, you know, wisdom, taking every single word with a grain of salt and being aware of it. Track 9, Dancing in the Light of a Burning City, Phoenixes. Parentheses, Phoenixes. And I will be calling it Phoenixes, because it's much shorter. Shorter. Um, This, I feel, personally, this track serves the same purpose that uh, one last show served on the previous record that we reviewed it's dance it's, they're not they're not the same kind of dancey track but there's da- a dancing nature to this track it's, it's definitely more, more upbeat yeah it's got a lot more sway in it and yeah. uh, a lot of the harshness mm-hmm. and a lot of the soothingness like it's in the middle ground between the two reliant on the 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 beat to be uh, the sway back and forth instead of to be a jarring factor or to be kind of not present so that sweet mellowness shines through it mm-hmm. is it is straddling the two ideas you almost almost want to say reggae but the beat is simply not there no. it doesn't have it's, that it's signature another pop reggae track beat. here but i think that 
there is some leanings towards reggae or that kind of popified version. Yeah, the super popified reggae thing that especially when reggae was really entering like you know, mainstream pop in, in, in the 90s, I would say, and eh, maybe even in the 80s. But for some reason, this reminded me very strongly of Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, and Bare Naked Ladies, at various points, did kind of borrow reggae or their contemporaries. 311 kind of used reggae as well. So You're I kind of feel it in that. You're the on the planet who would put Bare Naked Ladies and 311 as contemporaries. Oh, wait. No, they are, contem- they are contemporaries. In other words, they were writing at the same time. Got it. Okay. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an old man, but hey. <laughs> I know what I meant. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just where I hear this. It's, no, yeah. I, and it, I, they're, I they're totally both, get that. Certainly, even just beside them being uh, contemporaries, they were more positive. It's more positive stuff. And this is in that vein as well. And, of course, that's a big shift from some of the previous material, which was pretty dark and loaded. Not saying that the, the lyrics aren't there, but the music is definitely trying to just cover that up completely uh, in both verse, chorus, and really everything. The chorus, by the way, is interesting because it was sort of a jerky chorus, all just talking about, I'm on fire, I'm okay. Maybe it is truly just, uh, you know, covering something up. It's... um. I think it's trying to give lie to what the lyrics yeah. are presenting in the verses. Just like, no, 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 don't worry. Like, yeah, no things. Are I'm on up. fire, but I'm, I may, I may in fact be bursting into flames. But don't worry, I'm fine. Kind of like that. This is fine cartoon. Yeah, that, like that. everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. I will say the chorus here is as cheesy as those previous choruses that I mentioned were cheesy. But here it at least works in the context of the song. There's no disconnect. No, it there all is works no together. musical disconnect whatsoever. Yeah. I but like I, it. The only reason I described it is jerky is because of that emphasis on oh I'm okay I'm okay like it's it's throwing I mean again it works it works yeah. like thematically of course because when you it, it feels like you're just lying to your crowd yeah well I mean there's a lot of effed up stuff going on so you have to try to reassure them dumpsters flames still flicker in the dead of night red and white see the rust and embers charred and bleeding still bleeding I can't go home hear shots and bickerings ricochet dissipate if I can't find anyone to believe in I'm leaving Okay, I am a sleeping giant. Deep inside, I want peace and quiet. When unheard, I may speak in riots. When unhinged, the country's on fire. When unquenched, the thirst brings empires. To their knees and unspins the spires. Pillars fall when upteen town criers become choirs, unseat the sires. Sirens blare with unmet desires. Justice rolls down like muddy waters. I'm a mouthful of sea change. Make you rethink everything prior. Like, okay, there's... I love the imagery dense. that's going on right here. It's dense and it's screwed up. It's not dangerous, scary, screwed up stuff like we got yeah. earlier. You read that much. You well, might there's as well a just read of... the last four lines. I was born a young boy, James Laurie. Silver spoon on my tongue, same story. You'd assume from what's come before me, but not everything's hunky-dory. So yeah. he just admitted it right there in the end. Boom, on the nose. Yeah, uh, well, I, I was running yeah. out of breath. I had to take a pause right there. Okay. There was a lot to say. Nice but tag in, Steve. It's showing... <laughs> It's 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 portraying chaos. Right, but the music is not. The music is definitely more lighthearted. But, I mean, think about it. The title of the track, the full title, is Dancing in the Light of a Burning City. But Phoenixes. Right, where it's like you're rising from the ashes. You're dancing in the fire and rising from the ashes. Which is the outro. Born of the ashes, heir to the flame, lit by the fire, we look the same. Yeah. That's... That is, we everything may be burning down around us, but hope rides again. We're the We're same people. We can move forward. There that is, is hope. It's a great idea. I I thoroughly enjoy it, and I think the music does a lot to support it. 
Yeah. It, it supports it thematically, 100%. But bleh, I don't know what else to say it for it other than that. Simply, yeah. it's one of those, like, again, you need to be following it along. Otherwise, this will just gloss, you'll gloss right over this track. And just, yeah, uh, that I definitely agree with because the guitar chords being just punctuation, the the horns or sax that steps in is being just punctuation. It's all just touches to yeah. energize what's going on. So the you got hips, is the one little nice you got tap thing movement, you got a little bit of a kind of a funk feel that's not really there. So yeah. there you go. It's it, it musically forgettable, but the lyrics are the impact. And I'm going to be right out there. The lyrics are the major impact for me on the entire album. I think we're kind of all there that if we're going to find impact, it's going to be in the lyrics. Um, and I am putting words in your mouth. I'm not going to take them back. Well, only in this case it has the extra layer um, that the music is serving a function, although I think it is one step removed from invitation. And I do believe that should be kind of paramount. Uh, it does have that next level, which is the fact that it serves the purpose. In other words, I don't think... Like, we had some problems last week where... It was not even serving the purpose. It felt like the music was simply there, and all I had was the poetry. So there so is a little I, bit of a leg up in this case, only because... I didn't even think that, though. I didn't think that until I, you know, obviously just saw that, that it's sarcasm. It works, I just can't get into it, and that's yeah. about it. I got into it as much as one last show, whereas it's just a dancey thing, but I did miss a lot of the meaning in the lyrics because I was wrapped up in the danciness of it. So it's, I was the other, on the other end of it. So you were, not you were enjoying the music. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more on the superficial side, because mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's how I enjoyed the music, because I don't think it's going to really impact me, but I don't know, I'm just... In such a joygasm moment on so much of this lyrical work that honestly I'm I'm not gonna apologize for the music, but the be all end all the thing I'm gonna be looking for with every one of these songs is what it's saying first and foremost. Okay. It's gonna be hard for me, I think, to reach the high of uh of track seven, uh, especially when like the bass drum combo thing, I feel like I've hit my groove high on this album, and that's kind of what I wanted a little bit more of. But anyway, let's go a little bit further along to Antioch, which is an interlude, track 10. And, well, if you don't know where Antioch is, you should. It's in Turkey, (laughs) and it's, uh, I guess, what was once called Anatolia. Uh, That would be what formerly was Turkey. But anyway, that was just, like, province-wise. And Antioch was a city kind of on the southern coast, I believe. And it uh, is, I guess, pretty important in terms of biblical history because it's, like, the beginning of Christianity. Very important in, like, when the church actually started, when Christianity had very, very few numbers, and it was literally just the apostles, you know, going around trying to spread it. And yeah, Antioch no. is like the mm. signature place where there was finally a church for them kind of to discuss the teachings. Yeah, when they started trying to make it a religion. Yeah, and, and put together the Bible in in some sense because uh, it was very splotchy at that point. No, Bible came like a couple, oh, I think yeah, a couple it was centuries like, later anyway. Yeah, the like Bible, three, Bible. Three four, but yeah. the initial books were like decades after. Yeah, But this track... Now let's talk about the actual track that we're describing the name of. Well, it's a church choir. It's yeah. not like that's unrelated. I mean, well, it's- no, yeah, it's, it's absolutely related, which is what I was going to say. <laughs> is that it's completely related, but also uh, completely. This track just functions as an intro to pray, which is track eleven. It doesn't really serve much more purpose beyond that. Um, but that said, the namesake is appropriate based on what you described and based on the fact that this is a church choir. And then what I'm about to read: When my father handed me the lash taught me false tradition, separate my family white from black, 
consecrate division. I was young and ignorant of grace, lived as they had taught me, down in the river, I claim my sins, cast the devil off me. If I were a thinking man, <laughs> and I were to try to connect this, but I, it's tough for me to go back to, you know, that, that, that biblical stuff. I don't remember every little detail, <laughs> because I don't even think that was ever even taught in, like, childhood CCD or anything, uh, maybe in, like, one year of it. But I believe, I believe, if you're just going to consider if that's the place where, like, you know, there was an understanding of, like, disparate people who, I guess, if it was never... If the meetings had never occurred in those crucial decades, you probably never would have had any semblance of, you know, Christian Catholic Church, whatever, because it would have just dissipated, and anyone who even remembered uh, anything that Jesus taught from, like, two or seven, and it's not even getting to the religion of it, but rather just the history of it and how the church actually formed, you wouldn't have had any kind of, like, agreement upon which areas of it were true and what people actually believed. And I'm sure there was a lot lost in translation around these times, well, but certainly more would have been lost in translation if it it wasn't for these like early key places in that particular part of the world, uh, mainly around Turkey and Greece, where there were like the earliest, earliest church churches. So hence, you know, consecrate division, bring it all together, a kind of understanding that he's, that's the analogy that I believe is going on here. I think it might also be a reference to the fact that not just Antioch, but as the the Christian church and what later became the, the Roman Catholic church coalesced. There was a lot of decisions being made to what the religion is and a lot of heated ideas of what would be in the Bible, what would be removed from the Bible. How do we interpret this? Even like Jesus's divinity was decided upon right, right, right. whether or not he was going to be, you know, human or divine. Yeah. The, and the, the, the prophets caused, or the son of God, because yeah, there had been prophets, but not that. And they that's had really to the decide, big key distinction in what makes the religion different. And that, 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 that was a big dis division mark for a lot of individuals like, no, he was a prophet, an all-around great person to follow, but not divine. So, yeah. like, it, it shows and, a little bit of— And there were some early splits, I believe. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know the, all the details of that. But so. lines like, not necessarily separating my family black, uh, white from black or consecrate division, but they give illusions of, you know, segregation and putting things apart from one another because of how you feel. Yeah. So— so yeah, when I mean, we go into the next track, pray. Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna read the first chorus, which is kind of deadpan intro. Yeah, it starts the track, and it is absolutely dead end. It's almost with emotionless a, with a slight stomp. Yeah, and I think it's actually it sounds like feet hitting the ground. Yeah, and a, a, like a midi dead tone drone to it. Mm -hmm. Pray the pale white devil back to hell. Blessed be my witness. Pray the pale white devil back to hell. Cry for my forgiveness. I originally took those specific lines and with the context of what goes on as very definitively about... <laughs> the white man has caused a lot of ill in the world and that kind of thing. Well, in context with what everything else that goes on on this track, uh, whitewashing. Yeah, the yeah. The way history has been whitewashed and Jesus in particular has said to have been whitewashed. He was... Well, yeah. From, he was from you Israel area. He was probably very dark-skinned. Yeah, he was not white. Yeah. But not only that, the pale white devil is also a reference to the pale horse of death. Like yeah. it, there's a, a, a very connected connotation between the two, which would be the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, which would be preceded by pestilence, plague, and war. So it's like 
we're, we're really hoping that death doesn't show up. Yeah. So it's doubled. Now, pale white devil is not a new terminology either, and it directly is referenced in multiple books, especially where it was coined as the whitewashing of specifically American history. Right. So that's what I'm going to lean towards. But let's talk musically now a bit, because once the verse comes in after that, we get this kind of marching structure, almost like a, a mix between a drum line and a militant kind of march. Um, very drum-focused for that first verse, but also with some screechy guitar peppering the instrumentation as a whole. And then at, musically, when we shift to the chorus... We're steeped in heavy metal here. You know, the chorus is almost shouted. That opening line that was deadened is now repeated but shouted. And with a much more aggressive instrumentation. You don't really hear uh, band lines and heavy metal crisscross. No. (laughs) This is going back to the earlier tracks when we had these choruses and verses that seemed almost separate. For perhaps some inexplicable reason, I felt like it was slightly more connected here. I agree. And I do think it was, it took some talent to make that work. I agree, Considering they're just as unexpected. I think it's I because think it's... the instrumentation, both heavy metal and drum lines, are drum-focused instrumentation. So one, out of, three, one out of three ain't bad, right? But but here's, here's the thing that I, th- I think the specific genres were chosen, specifically the heavy metal genre, to represent... Um, Prayer. And I think devil. that was actually purposely and very well chosen yeah. for the context. For the context. It's always for the context on this piece. The drum line, almost militaristic, but still um, a, a rallying effect. Mm-hmm. It, it, it borders between you know high school rally and bugle horn that you're going to hear while you're in boot camp. Right. That's for the rousing, draw-in feel of the, the verses. verses. I yeah. think that works extremely well for that. I'm seeing a little bit of a disconnect. But yeah, the drum is a unifying factor between the three. Well, and then even when we get to the bridge later on... Um, it's a gospel plus sermon. It's a gospel backdrop with, with a sermon, sermon presentation. Yeah, Briar Rabbit here is Beginning speaking in a sermon-esque kind voice. Kind of a two-step, just kind of a one and two. And what and and I don't know maybe a little quicker than that, but in any case, yeah, it does. The gospel seeps in to follow this, and then by the time, yeah, it is like a sermon, like the kind of you know when we say gospel, we're just talking about the genre and the broad. It almost feels like this is the kind of thing that actually would be done in like some kind of Southern Baptist church. I only witnessed that once because of like a 1995 trip to Atlanta. Uh, even though I am not Baptist, it was an interesting experience. But that's kind of what you get here in the bridge, and that well, that is a little removed from the earlier two. I don't know, I want to almost go back to a, well, not almost, we really should go back to something that John started to set up just about this because I'm trying to see the other side. Anti-whitewashing. Yeah, anti-whitewashing, but there was a, there was a flip side to that. Yeah, the pale white horse of death. The pale white horse of death, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the specter of destruction. And considering some of the topics that come up, I'm starting to steal that as a, a double entendre kind of effect. Uh, Br'er Rabbit with hip-hop is transphobic. I speak the statement seeking its irrelevance. Lines like that, he's talking about extremely negative things and trying to destroy them. And yeah. the, the the greatest thing to try to defeat is death. When Johnny earlier, I hear nursery rhymes too anonymous to believe. I'd rewrite them posthumously, 
but we can't wipe the blood from the leaves, which is actually a reference to the fact that so many nursery rhymes are actually extremely racist. Oh, yeah. If you look into them. Yeah. Or just screwed up and bigoted in general. Yeah. So they're trying to destroy negativity. Yeah. And I could see that as as trying to send evilness back to hell. It really is just, like, you know, if you take the whitewashing thing, it's just, I think it's just a metaphor because of, yeah, because I think you're correct in saying the, what was it, the fourth horseman of the apocalypse? Fourth horseman. Yeah, because every single line is like, or every other few lines is a different reference. It's a different reference to something that you have to confront, something that no matter how much you are attached to, no matter how much it represents you or is a certain component of your identity, you have to confront all of its flaws. Um, Like that one later on, hip-hop is transphobic, you know? And I speak the statement seeking its irrelevance, and when it's said, the further from hell it gets. And there's just so many things here. One one after the other, they're tough to hear, but they have to be said. Just, uh, if I eliminate a Mona Lisa when God's masterpieces are killed with increasing frequency, like... Oh yeah. yeah, sure. You can destroy art, but killing people is perfectly all right. Like this is yeah, some yeah, yeah. this yeah. is some screwed up stuff, and it's it's a very candid way of presenting like how screwed up morals are in society. So yeah, it's double standards. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also I think that um, this song, because of the way you were describing the instrumentation matching or counter matching, even at times the the what's being said, I think it's this is them. Throwing a little satire at us as well. Yeah, they're getting, they're not getting cheeky, but they're getting morbidly so. Yeah, they're getting morbidly cheeky, I suppose. I think your your uh, perspective, by the way, John, is really, uh, really proven actually by that last, that last uh, chorus. Um, Pray the pale white devil back to hell, shout him from the heavens, usher in the souls long cast aside, beg for resurrection, turn and face your savior eye to eye, stand for your conviction, pray the pale white devil back to hell till the Lord is risen. Here, this is the last book of the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's just great combination of, like, satire with a lot of Marrying the music, I think, a little bit too much towards the theme, but at the same time, it works at the end of the day for me. Well, yeah, and then even the lines are actually talking about actually resurrecting someone or someone coming back from the dead, and then to go into track 12, Voices of the Dead, and to start with this viola drone and bass line, which was an upright bass, wasn't it, I believe, in yeah, this song? Yeah, but the, the, the viola was drawn, yet... It feels aborted at the end of the bowing, like it's yeah. not completing. It's not completely played to completion. And, and I'm, I'm loving this effect because it's that little bit of hitch that allows a a drawn bow instrument to add punctuation. Yeah, it, this track as a whole, I feel like there's the kind, especially in the vocal delivery at moments. This we're back to that kind of ethereal, almost spiritual feeling, which following the pre the previous track makes sense and is a little strange and unnerving but still I think works for the track but the bass is the shining instrument on this oh, piece sure. because it's an upright bass. well because you can hear the difference there's a Christmas to the upright bass that we didn't hear in the electric bass and it's walking and it's playing and it's actually having a little bit of fun and it's nice to showcase the bass having a little bit of fun because that's something I'll always be drawn to. It is. <laughs> you know, it's just really the bass and drum combo. Again, it's not like that's uh, new here. I, I do think there was a lot of repetition here in the early part of the song, but it does get better as it goes. And well, the upright bass, I think, yeah, is probably the best, the best introduced 
the best new thing that we got here, because there's not too many new musical elements. No, and I mean, the vocals here, I think, are the densest they are on the entire record. But if you read it, and this is the time where I actually did have to read it, I'm in Steve's camp, to really get some of the clever wordplay. I mean, there's a Lord of the Rings reference that I absolutely love that if you blink, you could miss. Yeah, with the line, when the police game is Ving Rhames, my contacts go Nazgo. When I pocket dial, I ring wraiths. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I got that right away, too. Yeah. I heard ring wraith, I was like, oh, is this carry on again? Are we going to get some Tolkien references yeah. throughout? I mean, we already had Darth Vader once already. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... The only thing I don't like about this track is that every single line is a simile. You know, I'm okay yeah. with that. No, it's, it's a little like, that's bit. actually different for the album. You know, yeah. we, you know remember I said, well, it, all right, different enough for the album, uh, not different enough for hip hop. Okay, that's of course that's not. probably true. But that's, I appreciate but, and this, it at this, this, is, at this point. This is the most extreme version of it. It's something like I was saying uh, last week, how you know it would be exhausting if an entire novel was written in metaphor. Right. Well, that it's going to be it's going to boil down to, hey, that was a cool Lord of the Rings reference. <laughs> well. And there are a lot of those things, but they're very hit or miss. Uh, for me, it was pretty much hit, especially Rabbit's verse. I put my hands up, not seeking to, an escape. I put my hands up to better seize the day, outstretched to carpe diem, carpal tunnels to mausoleum, trying to write a way to the voices of my heroes. I was stronger when your hands were on my shoulders. Taught me to be a warrior before a soldier. You got me and that's why I'll push the boulder forward. Many hands light work. That's why all of us are chosen. To stop, drop, and roll out. Stop, frist, and hostile. When the police game is Ving Rhames, my contacts go Nazgo. When I pocket dial, I ring rates. Black ops to the talent pools. Brothers dropping out like underfunded high schools. So less jails, more doors. Why excel in failure? Losing ground ever since four score. And hold the door. Stuck in a loop that predicts the final scene. But the very worst of them won't get the best of me. Dude, it's yeah. not. It's good. It's good. And actually, I'll pull back. Keep, There's going. not as many likes as I thought. It's yeah. all metaphorical, though. It, it is, really is, it is all just play on words and metaphors. It is, yeah. but it's really good it's, work. It, it's yeah. tight, it's just it's just the bullet mark nature of it. That's right. All we I'm hit a point at. where it's reminiscent of our good friend Aesop Rock, like we know him personally. But when we did Aesop Rock, there were moments of that too. Like Steve's big complaint about Mystery Fish, it has almost seemed random at points because it was so dense. Oh, well, yeah. And, well, and so there's some right, right. A, a similar element here. It's not as random, but it's definitely dense. Considering other things we've done on Mystery the podcast. Fish, that was the first track? That was the first track. Considering, right. yeah, I remember that being one of the more concise, but there were other moments that I thought were, you know, kind of random considering earlier in 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 our discussion of this album and previous albums we've done you didn't get the run the jewels reference that was explicit oh yeah for sure yeah like i i i i'm not gonna say that the flowbots are the be-all end-all they obviously work off of their contemporaries because they've actually referenced multiple people not just in the political scene and the social scene which is what they love to do They've done pop culture stuff. Oh, for before, sure. And, and they've gotten other too. Yeah. They've gotten pop culture idols to show up every once in a while and do some guest singing and whatnot on yeah. their pieces. You know what it does show? It shows well roundedness. It yeah. shows um the heaping amount of references definitely don't just they don't just drop from the air. You know, yeah. they come from a, a learned a learned person. And then there is this tiny little effect that they throw in the vocals in the chorus, which is it it, it echo harmonizes. And it gets more expansive during certain parts of the verses, usually when they're actually talking about, like, mm-hmm. 
like the past and what's happened before that that narrows in when the when you get that rise above the threat and lift this up instead voices of the dead voices of the dead you get a very tight but still there harmony echo work yet it's actually devoid in other parts i like this playing with the vocal work i like the way it it expands and contracts as the quote voices of the dead seem to be speaking through them it's a good mm-hmm. effect and a good use of of just some imagery in the vocal delivery for the track. Track 13? Yes, uh, Temimut. So this is another interlude. This is a children's chorus uh, singing, not unlike um, the intro to prayer. Um, here, though, there's a sense of innocence to it, which really also connects very well to track 14, Related, which is talking about how we're all related, how we're all together. It's a very unifying track. And so having young children singing a choir, it adds a level of innocence and connectiveness, I believe. They're also singing it very, you know, very slow Mm -hmm. uh, at a relaxed pace. You usually have to tell children's choirs to sing slowly. That way you get all the syllables enunciated. Right, because otherwise otherwise they'll rush through it. Yeah. Soothe my soul and open my eyes. Fill me with the fire inside. Lift my spark up to the divine. Elevate me higher and rise. Pretty straightforward. Yep. Right, right into Related. And this has one of, I, I as much as we get those intros and outros in these tracks, which I think is a good way to set up and take apart the tracks. It's been doing a good it's, job to to set us up, even if it doesn't actually set us up for that song. It's it's not it's unlike, interesting. It's not unlike what the Gorillas did with some of yeah. theirs. But um, featuring this, Mac, Maxwell McKee in Spirit of Grace, correct? Yes, I believe so. I don't have that note right in front of me. Okay. And Here... We get a robot. Well, yeah, so the, the, the very <laughs> intro, before we get to the first chorus, which is how the track starts after the intro, it's very somber. You know, for something that was seemingly uplifting in that in, in track 13 in that interlude, we do have a very somber intro, but it very quickly shifts once we go to the cars to a very uplifting, almost cocky and full of attitude um uh, demeanor, which is a pretty hard shift considering how deadened almost the intro was. But that just throws me back to some of the previous work, specifically Rise, and the yeah. way that chorus kind of creeps up on you. So it's it like their version in, in that case was Rise together. We rise together. Mm-hmm. But as they do this repetition, it slowly becomes one voice, two voices, five voices, a whole crowd. Not a chorus, a crowd singing out. But here... I am one in seven billion searching for my family. Now you've come, innocent love. My ears can hear, my eyes can see. It's a sweet sentiment because love is found. But yeah, it's a dour kind of a voice. Very very similar to the the robotic voices we get for the side characters in something by Steam Power Giraffe. Right. Like it's it's, it's over there. It it doesn't feel quite human. Mm -hmm. So the chorus... We are related, we're arm in arm, we're on arms, we are related, we're arm in arm in arm. It's a little hokey, I'm okay with that, because it's supposed to be like, well, this we are the world. Well yeah, this is a kind of hokey <laughs> track a bit, but but then when we get to the first verse, it's delivered with a, a braggadocio almost, that we hadn't really heard on the album, which they've done before on previous records, and both Johnny Five and Br'er Rabbit here deliver their verses that way. I think what really pulls me out of this track, and this is kind of part of the tail end of the album where I get to get a little um, fatigued, is the chorus here is delivered in a kumbaya-esque kind of meter. And I don't know, it just kind of 
yanks me out. I, it fits for the song because you're doing something family friendly and but it, and no, it, I don't think it fits no. for the song. I think that this is actually a little bit of a cheapening of this overall feel because of the fact that it, it you know, this the is bridge. again the lyrics do matter. I just want to read a little bit further on here, right after what you read, John. And I'm overwhelmed by so much misery. See people I know, see people I love, see people divided up so bitterly. Watch out for the enemy, 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 preaching it like a liturgy. And I pray for the day when you open the gates and say you finally have forgiven me. That is, and considering that it's paired with a, a fairly harsh bass. Yeah. Compared to that kumbaya feel, yeah, no, the chorus does take a little bit of a step back, and this is, this bit is an, a secondary chorus, yeah, because it gets screwed with, but it does get repeated in the same sort of way, and it has a, a little bit more distinction in its music than the verses, uh, versus the verses, um, and then when you step into the verse, my cell vibrates, and I know it's not you. I'm now somebody who you will not talk to. How could I expect you to forgive me? After all our history, I had to act atrocious. Remember hugging big trees back in Nachadoches? Couldn't let go. Just couldn't let go. This is how we live, holding on to memories, searching for my families. Roots, trees planted deep, grew up into enemies. Now my cell vibrates because I'm singing off key, locked in a box like every day I wake up in a body of an animal. I know it's not me, but I'm accountable. Nails to a cross. Reach back, touch the moment I was innocent. Folded to my chest. Clutch and hold till my sins are cleansed. Benefit seven billion souls with my penitence. Open up the penitentiary gates now. Send us in. Anyway, that what? is that is not we are the world. That yeah. is, well, I I beg forgiveness. Specifically, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, it's it's I I whether it is actually an on the nose like we are related in the grand sense that we're all related. Kumbaya, sure. But I think it may – there's some enough, hint, enough hints there that it makes me actually think this is like a f- two family members that have drifted deeply over ideology. It may also be just the idea of conflicting ideologies. Right. Because think about the – Not necessarily two individuals, but like we all offend one another. We're all mean and rude and bad to one another, and we all need to pay for those sins. But I feel like it goes a step further. Just with the roots trees planted deep grew up into enemies, even if it's not like family, it could be close friends. But I feel like it goes a step further when when they start just naming places, because these are places of course where great tragedies happened. And I think it's it's almost a racial, like, we're family. Like, we, we, you know, to that level also. Um, That's kind of where my brain goes just based on that part too. I mean, it could be all these things too. Um, there's enough space in this content that you can kind of latch onto what you yeah, can. There could we could very well be missing a layer here. Uh, there, there's a shame that I have to mention this at this stage in the game, but unfortunately, musically, this is not dragging me to these lyrics no. at all. I know this is a repeat of things I've said previously. It's a shame though because it's it's amplified to the point where at this point, musically, I was falling asleep a little bit because of the lacking of like moments, musical moments in this album. Eh, I there was a little bit of sax and shaker flare in the second verse but that was like the only thing there's, that happened yeah, in the outro. but they all just like and even when like it's ironic that the the beat he as you said kind of has this cockiness to it and yet it it's just washing right over me yeah i, I think feel that, it. i think the problem here also besides the kumbaya chorus is like the outro is so heavily gospel influenced which we'd gotten tastes of earlier but here it almost feels like a cliche to outro this song with that considering the content of the track yeah and how it was being delivered well i don't know no, I mean, when you have lines, 
Reclaim our greatness when we break them. Miracles go higher than deoxyribonucleic acid DNA. I know what our heart, that is. Jeez. I was translating for anybody who doesn't know it, all right? <laughs> our heart sent songs are greatest asset, scarred by the latest hazard, cynically suited up in a hazmat. Like, it's, it's spiritually suited up in a hazmat. It's like using religion as a protection yeah, against somebody else, against something else, yeah. even though we are all the same DNA at the yeah. core of it. I think it really is that undertone of we're all mean and bad to one another, but we're all the same and we are all family. But I, I also am leaning towards Steve. I think there probably is a personal element going on right there mm-hmm. that somebody has experienced a schism with somebody else. Yeah. No, I think so too. I think that... And this this is you can consider the final track, even though it's not as far as kind of wrapping up what the album's trying to do. But then when we move on to the next track, track fifteen, which I'm not even gonna try to pronounce how this track is called, but it's a Procalia for Procalia. the sake of it. It's the postlude, and the the audio of this is just the band talking to a group of people, fans, I assume, of the record. It sounds like children. Children, or young, well, teenagers, young, younger. But um, it's them explaining aspects of the album, and it's actually where I first noticed, and then upon re- repetitive listens, Johnny Five mentions how they talk about fire a lot, but he wasn't even sure why when they were writing they did mention fire a lot, mm. which brings me back to the first track and why I thought it sounded like Crackling uh, Fire. Um, but then they're explaining that, and then there's some commotion, and then um, Briar Rabbit comes in and it's talking about other parts of the record, but it gets a little low and you can't really hear it. But he talks about yeah. like how you're supposed to use anger, you, it's okay to sing angrily, but you can't let anger use you, so you have to release it, and then they and release so it. They have the, yeah. Has a lot of screaming exercises. And, yeah. All said, it it would have been a nice ending coda. It would because it, I don't know if it adds to the album as a whole. I mean, it's not musical. It, it, and it's, I would go as far as to say it doesn't. I think it's cool to include it, especially since this was kickstarted. If you were in that group and you were there that day, to have the recording is really cool. That's but, a, yes. But beyond that, for me, it breaks up the flow of the record because the final track, Sleeping Giant, I think would have been cool to follow track 14. But this, this, this track also, it's not a short discussion. Like, you get five minutes of this and... As a fan, I appreciate it, but as a music critic, it feels like it's breaking up the flow of the record. And and, and then it honestly ruined Sleeping Giant for me the first couple of listens. Like, up today's listen, I got really into Sleeping Giant when we were listening together, and I do really like the track, but it just felt disconnected and kind of hanging because of that interruption, for me, at least. So- I'm nonplussed. I'm just saying it. I, I'm part page from John. I'm nonplussed by that that track. It's what they wanted to include. Bleh. For me, yeah, it's a bit of a hiccup, but I see related as a final chapter because related is talking about still the evils of the world, but we have to come together, which has been one of the. Yeah, but Sleeping Giant is the coming together. That's why I see Sleeping Giant as a postscript, as mm. an an addition that the journey was. Ended in related. Yeah, but this seems like a conclusionary paragraph or yes, a final chapter. Yes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. If it was connected without track 15, yes, it would have been the finale. It would have been the culmination. And that's of what I'm saying. I think that would have with been a better it, flow. I see it as a postscript, and yeah, I think it hurts the flow a little bit. Oh, well, let's but just that look, said, at, look at the Sleeping content. Giant. I, I love it. 
Yeah, I really 16. love it. There's an energy. Well, that's gotta be supported here. I am a sleeping giant. There lives a riot in my bones. Whiplashing masters rehashes the bad strategies. I'm abandoning the branding and brandishing new prophecies, slashing the patterns with passionate new qualities. With outstanding tantrums so large, there's no stopping. We abolish oligopolies, toppling class sovereignty. Clashing rapids are habits of havens who had it up to here. Tears build the river swells. Empire strikes and we rebel. Alliance of a living wage to quench the flames of living hells. This is absolutely, in song format, the absolute overarching discussion of what we were talking about about this band at the beginning of the track, that this is a Rise Up song. I do it's have about coming together. so much fun reading this, I want to say. <laughs> but, but I want to say also musically and, and vocally, this is the absolute personification of the band in song format. Like which This is, really feels like Fobots. Which is weird because, honestly, Br'er Rabbit, that first verse, kind of has a Johnny flow. It does. It's, it's almost like he's taking on a different character. And when Johnny does the second verse, he has that kind of slower... Br'er Rabbit flow to it, so it's almost like they're borrowing from each, each other's other. styles to 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 wrap this out. Johnny, I was on the corner of No One Cares, heard something rumbling over there, like a snare drum with a soldier's flare, like a river run coming over here. See the screaming crowd saying everything goes, extremely loud and incredibly close. Cracks in the ground as they steadily approach. Now the wave of sound surrounds and unrolls. The water's unfrozen frost soaks my kneecaps, while they unfold like washed-up debris stacks. Wall to wall floats the feedback. Anonymous quotes we can say, for all the lost souls present day. Wade in the streets, march forth in the rushes. Feel the unstoppable force as it gushes. People wake up to the heartbeat of the rhythm of in the river as it roars with justice. Now see what I am. Dude, that was right. good. That's but, like, that's, it's not the best of the album, but it's, I love it. I really do love this as the sort of coda for the album. My verse was better. You're no reading, notwithstanding, I like those lyrics better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, There's a, it's a completely different flow, too. That's the whole thing. It's a completely different flow yeah, yeah. from first to second. And that's, that's kind of a descriptor for so much of this album, that yeah. each verse is going to have a different flow. Or the uh, verse may change flow. I also like the vocals in the outro, too. I just... I. It wraps up the track really neatly, and I think this track wraps up the album really neatly. Again, I think it would have had a stronger impact on me had the postlude not been there, personally. Yeah. Um, certain aspects of the music as well, like there's some a whirling effect that comes mm-hmm. in and out that sort of like is a, is a major intake of breath or exhalation, depending upon how it's being used, Yeah, that really add... A quiet intensity to everything that's going on that works well pairing it with a sleeping giant. And then that third verse uh, kind of is is all in take because yeah. of words like rising, climbing, mighty, defiant. Like this is this is the giant waking up. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really wicked use of imagery that has been referenced throughout the album with the giants, the sleeping giants, the mm-hmm. the writing effect that's that shows up multiple times, the masses effect, and connecting those two so completely with this piece, I really see it as an incredible closer for just the concept of this album. I just want to make a comment that's sort of related, that at this point, as we're wrapping up on this third hip-hop album in a row, that we, we've hit like a John stride of electronica, but with hip-hop at this point. Like I'm, totally okay. I'm totally okay with that. Me too. Although, Mostly because I, I would have picked say, two of the three regardless. Right. Well, I will say it's interesting, though, that 
all three albums were vastly different, though they do have similarities, which I do appreciate. And I still argue last week's hip-hop album wasn't 100% hip-hop. It was fair. I will say, though, as I'm suspiciously quiet lately, and I think I'm suspiciously quiet on music specifically, yeah. I do have tons to say on, on the lyrics, and there was more the more you look at it. But I'm suspiciously quiet on music, and for once, unlike last week, I'm a little unsure why. I know that actually the music here in this latter half of this album is really... I, I would say, although I do hate to use the word objectively, but there are some things you can say. The, the music is objectively a little more superior. There's yeah. more going on. There's just more details, more stuff. And yet, I, I don't know why. I'm just a little sleepy by the end of this. Maybe I'm a little sleepy now. I don't know. I don't want that to like be the... The, the, the sole reason, maybe that was just my own, you know, where I was at when I was mm-hmm. listening to this record. But it did seem like the, the its best tracks in terms of Invitation were a little bit earlier on. I don't want that to fill up my entire review. All right. Well, why don't I take us into the wrap-up and I'll give you a little time to wake yeah, up. Yeah, I believe you should do that. Okay. <laughs> I get uh, to go last. Yes. Na, 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 na. Actually, I th- I'm pretty confident for, for, for the first time in a long time, I know exactly where this falls. Um, especially comparatively to recent stuff and comparatively to how I view this band. So, yes, me and John are kind of in a flip position because I'm not super familiar with Flowbots' discography. Like, I'm really familiar with Circle in the Square. I know a lot of Fight with Tools, but that's really it. The other stuff, I'm, I I know if I heard it, but I'm not You'd hyper familiar with You'd recognize White Flag Warrior from Survivor Story, and that might be it. Right. Um, but I will say that the interesting thing about this album following both Gorillaz and K. Flay is that there is still enough differences here that I'm just not going, oh, it's the same thing as the last two weeks. God, why are or we still doing this Or you have to stuff? make the heavy comparisons. Right. Well, like, I you can make that comparisons. Either. Yeah. And so I think that's something that's in the favor of them as well as the other artists is that this is... A, they, first of all, the Flowbots are a band that... They really do unify what they're working with. They don't feel awkward. They don't feel... Even in those moments where... We felt the genre jumping was just bizarre from verse to chorus. It's still not a sound that I would have never expected them to ever do. I was surprised they did it, but it was not completely unexpected, um, which is interesting for me is this. Um, I will admit openly that the arc is kind of schizophrenic here, which is a bit of a bummer for me. It's a little all over the place. Thematically, of course, it's as tight as any of their other albums. You know, they have the same kind of through line they've had in previous records, even citing specific track comparisons to the previous record, um, falling in similar places on the flow of that record. Um, You know, lyrically, they're as strong as ever, or vocally as well. Um, I think that musically, I'm in a similar place to Steve this time, whereas I wasn't as much with Circle in the Square, and I promise that's the last time I'll compare the two albums. But like here, I think that musically, even though they are doing interesting things by the end of the record, I think overall, I'm kind of uh, still confused as to what the end goal musically was. I think there's too much hopping all over the place for me to see a through line musically. You know, again, vocally and theme-wise, it's there. It's Flowbots. They're doing what they always do. Um, I think skill-wise, they are still growing and improving. I mean, if if nothing else, the earlier tracks that are genre jumping, which I don't really recall them ever doing before, is further proof that they continue to increase their production value. They uh, 
they tighten up on the sa- the crispness of the sound. But I think they're in playing with those different sounds are losing a little bit of the cohesiveness that I really liked from their previous record and previous works. That that said, I think that uh, you know, and this is I think apparent on on the way I talked about this record. I I overall really like it. I think I need to sit with this more, and this is definitely going to be a record that I think. In fact, I'm fairly confident may get bumped up towards the end of the year as I listen to it more. Uh, I mean, also, it's unfair to compare to the last two records because both Gorillaz and K-Flay I spent several months with, whereas this I spent like a week with, um, trying to catch up in as many listens as those other albums. (laughs) We may have to refine that plan and uh, suggest our albums a little earlier in time. I think so, too. Because I think our struggle in the last couple weeks with the new format now of being the advocate is placing one person a little too familiar than the others. Yeah. But, um... Not in every case, though. Mine will be exactly as long as yours. At least a month... At least a month of of listening or something yeah. like that. I don't know. That might we're, be a thing. Might be might know. be worth investigating. It might be something cool. that we're going to yeah. talk about at the uh, annual piece as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that said, I think that they're still as strong as ever. I mean, as far as uh, musical and lyrical technicians, they are still doing great work. Um, I just still think other works are wrap me up more um but this is still above a four for sure um but i just don't think it makes it to that upper echelon tier this falls at a 4.25 for me i think that they're still doing like i said tight great work i just still i think they got a little crazy with the experimentation and trying different things that weren't actually that different from the mainstream and so while it was new for them it wasn't new for me and so it i fell short in the end no enemies. There are no enemies. That may sound a little naive. If you just open your ears and listen, there are no enemies, truly. I don't know if that's exactly the thing that they're building to, but I think it is definitely along the lines of if you just open up there, we have a lot more in common than we don't. Yeah. That may sound on the face of it a little bit generic and naive in terms of the feel-good album. Don't think it's preached enough, though, especially in an era where everywhere you look, there's an article called 10 Reasons Why I Will Never Hear Your Side of the Story. (laughs) Paraphrasing, of course. Or just the... No, I think I saw that on This means that, and that means this, and you're wrong about one of these two things, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, here's why we will never agree. I, I just, I disagree with the culture of it. I think that the more people write things and repeat things, as I've said, as I'm repeating, interestingly, it's it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The The beautiful time of the internet when everyone's supposed to understand each other is literally just creating more and more division. Eh, that's just my perspective on, on a couple things. It's uh, one person's perspective. I'm sure there are successes. Maybe they are the success. Yeah, I did not notice this theme and the details of it that we uh, started unpacking really more toward the middle of this album. Uh, Certainly I didn't notice them while I was listening at home. And now that begs the big Crash Chords question. Is that my fault? Is that my fault? I mean, I often uh, would just blame you anyway. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But (laughs) knowing you and knowing your (laughs) issues with the same exact thing, I think you could sympathize with the position. Mm -hmm. Um... Is it my fault for simply not taking in this theme as I was listening and intending to be listening to music? <sighs> I just don't know in this case. And it's le- I'm, I'm more in a state of debate than I was last week. Because in last week, there was just more of a... I, I knew 
I knew in my heart of hearts somehow that the music had taken a dive. Right. Matt did not agree that it occurred as as uh, early as I felt it occurred. Nevertheless, I just that in many ways that album actually reached a higher peak than this album. The for, like the the tracks two, three, and four and whatnot um, last week. I just I loved I loved them sonically speaking, and I thought there was a, a better marriage there of. An area where you actually really need the pop structure, where the pop structure works perfectly, in that I had no problems picking up on the theme of Giver while simultaneously getting drawn in by the music. And there's just not that simultaneous occurrence on this album. That said... If you're just looking at the two different types of themes that are being presented, and I know this, I'm not going to just completely compare this to last week, but just it's a little bit important in terms of uh, my understanding of this, and again, how we value certain things in music. The two different themes being that the last album concerned something very, very personal, and I guess I did that old thing that we always do to music, you know, and take it personally, and I actually haven't done that to an album in a while, and it was nice to do that to last week's lyrics. This album is less personal, it's more universal, but it's something that needs to be said, societally speaking, and I'm glad to see. It gives me a little bit of optimism, considering that this is going to be a long four years if everyone's just going to... If it's four if, years. Well, if, if, if whatever, whatever. Right, yeah. Whatever, really. Well, I mean, it could be longer. But I'm saying, I'm saying it's going to be long, really more from the aspect that if everyone's reaction to this is just the art of, it's tired. Like, yeah. I'm tired. We're it's tiring. Tired, yeah. But... That's going to get exhausting. Yeah. And the reason I, I bring this up is because that almost devalues uh, that recent album that I've already kind of lauded, and that's Drunk by Thundercat. Yeah, I'm devaluing it a little bit now. I feel like seeing this has made me devalue the message behind that. Yeah, Literally because while that may be totally, you know, this album, I feel like this album is feeling right now. While that's all well and good, that's not very productive. No. <laughs> I, I liked it as artistic presentation. So now it becomes literally like I'm my back is against the wall, which is more important. Artistic presentation and the emotional feeling therein, or actual progress and saying the right things that need to be said. Yeah. Uh, in order to try to be bring people a little bit back to the middle and we can all be a little more focused going forward. Uh I wish I came prepared with an answer to that. <laughs> That's I, a fairly I, I deep question. Merely propose that question. Now I hope you uh, all are thinking about it, because um, we won't address it again. <laughs> Ever. Anyway, I can only stall for you for so long, Steve. I'm just saying. This is why I'm being quiet. Yeah. No. <laughs> My gut feeling here is no one's gonna know any of this unless they read. It's yeah. my gut, gut feeling. Unless, it, oh, all right, hip-hop fans come at me. You pick up everything right away. Fine, fine, great. You're, you're great. You're great. You're all around great in that department. It's just, then there, you're, you're going to lose all the musicians out there, you know? That's just one angle. And I, I believe there should be the fusion of both. That's just something I, I have to be a little bit hard-lined on here. In which case, to me, this just, it, it, it fails on the experience. It succeeds on the theme. There are really cool musical moments. There are really cool musical sections, but they're they're patchy. And Matt had it correct, I think, in terms of saying that the arc is very uh, splotchy as well. Uh, and when you say an arc is splotchy, don't you really mean there's really no arc? Yeah, I <laughs> like, guess so, yeah. Essentially, yes. At least to your experience of it. All right, I'm going to cross the line here. 
for my belief that these lyrics should be read, I think there's enough wisdom here for me to arrive at the four. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. I, I, I cannot go uh, exuberantly above that, though. I just think, yeah. Read it and also get the great sax solos and all the stuff that is there. It's a good album. It's it's not great. Yeah. I feel that, like Circle that is in the my, Square That is was... my original four. That's another throwback to 2012. Four well, always used to mean it's good. It's well, just good. Well, because I also would say that Circle in the Square is a great album. Yeah. And this is good. 4.5 is my is where my greats begin. So. Fair enough. I okay two comparisons three comparisons four comparisons five I could do a thousand of them but there is yeah. one I'm going to hone in on which I have not brought up at all um, because I specifically was saving it for the wrap up and that is something I mentioned off air and I'm going to introduce to our listeners right now Macklemore and Ryan Lewis and the Heist and I gave that a five star and it was another social commentary rap album with. A lot of quality music that I think in the same sort of vein did not hit the same like levels of musical desire Steve was looking for. Though on one hand it may have been a little bit more experimental, on the other hand I think it was also uh, safely mixing and everything like that. Like it's, it's doing the same sort of combination of check marks as what this album does. And while today... I would not give the heist a five. I'll no. flat out say. I'm not going to retroactively change it because for our rating that time, five is what I will put it at. This album, I think, is better. Like, flat out agree. better than the I, heist. I would absolutely agree. Well, I think also the problem with the heist is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis haven't really followed up with the same themes or stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that is a negative. I think that's maybe more of a, a negative in what they were doing right. in the long run. But that's neither here nor there. I don't think the heist is that five anymore. But this is still even better, not that five anymore. No. Granted, I've sat with it for quite some time, and I think Matt's going to definitely raise it. And I'm pretty sure Steve might go a little bit higher as he really learns the ins and outs of it. I think this might be an end of year that, that does bump itself up. Kind of because it simmers and it sits with you and you just it grows on it, at least from my perspective. And I like gut reaction. I'd give it a five, in spite of the, the the really oddball moments in the beginning and track fifteen. But because I want to be a little bit more dispassionate, I cannot deny the variety of rap styles that the two of them do, and the quality of the wordsmithing, and the content like Steve lauded is just phenomenal. Even the sketchiest parts for me, it's hard to really scream out the pale white devil in your car as you're driving around. That's a weird thing to be screaming out, like driving through Brooklyn, <laughs> just from my point of view. But it's something I kind of want to do. I, 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 I've moved past those weird parts where I don't quite know how to take it. I'm, I'm thoroughly on board with so much of what this says, even the worst parts I want to keep listening to. So... It's not the greatest of all time, but I am going to break that 4.5 barrier and put it at a 4.6. It's just there's too much of quality hip-hop that even the arc, the arc I see is located in the vocal styles, not necessarily the music. And that's enough to keep the arc, the harmony level that they have, that, that brings it together. We're not going to do any, like, mind-changing today, and I don't expect to, but just to throw some thoughts out there. 
the the back against the corner. You have no idea how more how much more serious it is today than other occasions because of the fact that you know what I said about drunk, mm-hmm. you know, and how mm-hmm. I might retroact. I might even lower that in terms of just the value, like devalue well, the it in terms of the I... wisdom. But just also remember the fact that. Drunk is a romp. <laughs> yeah. It is such a fun freaking album that right. I, I like. I'm so, when I do say that I was getting sleepy toward the end of this. Re- I maybe I'm having a little bit of an uh, a reverse everlast moment. Yeah. You know, Matt's uh, no, literally in my ability to explain why musically this is just putting me to sleep a little bit. Yeah. Considering that it's nowhere near as as dreary as some other like a- albums, musically speaking. I'm just not sure I can put it into words in this case. One of the only ones I can say, and that's what reminded me of it, is because you said, you know, they're, the, the, the wordsmithing, the flow and everything, and the, how they're talented they are as lyricists. They they are. They're great. They're great rappers and everything. But I do think that the flow, if... if this is actually a hip-hop critique. Like, I, you know, I'm not a, like huge into the hip-hop genre but i do know that some of our better hip-hop albums literally have been because the flow has translated the energy to me and i did not feel for some reason despite the pace i did not feel the same energy so to really bring in that incisive hip-hop critique that maybe some hip-hop fans would really like to see i think that some little things in the flow here could have been just a little bit punchier maybe down to the slight inflection the slight you know, rhythmic turn of phrase over the course of just the beat. It's a fine line, let me tell you. And I think that the major difference is that I, A, got into this album track two with a minor hiccup with Carousel, and B, did not start falling asleep. Just just became entrenched and just kept delving deeper and deeper. And the music never, the mu- music never pushed me back away and never broke it up for me. Yeah. At worst, I fell it was asleep last week for the music, and I fell asleep this week for who knows. I don't know. I'm broken. Clearly, <laughs> I still take a four. Cl- clearly, you're four. the you problem. You could take it. You could take it. Yeah, wisdom, is, wisdom is important. Um, but yeah, I think it's it puts us in an interesting place as far as discussing albums to really have to get the the back up against the wall thing. Like you talking about how. Comparing this to a previous album really puts you in a corner. I had the same exact corner, what, two years ago when when we reviewed St. Vincent's? And I went, this is a five. This is phenomenal. And then I I heard Owen Pallet and went, oh, crap. No, this is a five. That wasn't a five. And then there was My Brightest Diamond. There was a couple of things that kind of showed up. That was actually earlier. (laughs) No, no, it actually was after St. Vincent's. And and My my Brightest Diamond wasn't a problem for me because I didn't like it as much as the other. It was a problem for me. But you rated it like 4.9 or something. I did, right. The problem was it wasn't perfect because you already had a perfect, but then another better perfect came along. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, we evolve as people. Maybe that's just the crux of it. But to explain that a little bit further, like, we don't know what could possibly be better when we say five until we actually hear it. That's the problem. It's impossible to predict what will blow your mind because it's mind-blowing. So you can't predict it. And so I think that's why we end up in those corners sometimes is because... That's a good way to put it. (laughs) it's, It's expectation and also anticipation and even factors beyond that. And so I think it's interesting... Not so much as a topic, but maybe just a brief discussion on the fact that we we hit these corners because it is absolutely impossible to predict everything. When I rate fives or anything very close to it, I feel it is a lot of anticipation because it means that I don't anticipate very much else. Right. And it's like that is a, that is very naive and cynical. Yeah. But yet that's 
technically what it, that's why I was so reserved with my five is for so long and why there's still only like one of them right out of the gate and only like two others in retros- retroactively like yeah. they're they're just rare because I literally like that's a back against the corner moment being like am I ever going to hear anything like this again am I ever going to feel this way again yeah so of course you say five that's it that's it try I challenge you world to do better you know <laughs> I look at it a little bit differently, more of an insular moment instead of trying to explore everything else out there, in that if I'm going to give something a five, yeah, I have other criteria of this is the direction I want music to go, this is doing something that truly speaks to me as new, but one of the, the things that I guess I really don't speak about is I, it's it's an album, a song, a moment that... I don't need anything more. You don't have to do anything more. Yeah. You gave me fulfillment. It was satiating. You were satisfied. Not just satisfied. My expectations are met, they're exceeded, and I can't find anything more to want mm. or to need. It's not just I, I feel like this is good enough. A four or five is this is good enough. This is a great meal. I don't really need anything more. If you want to give me dessert. No, no. This is I, I'm, <laughs> I'm prompted with dessert on top of everything else. I'm prompted with a foot massage afterwards. Like it's everything I could possibly want without me coming up with another thing that might make it better. So... Like I said, it's not satiating, it's pampering. Exactly. With the heist, at that moment, I felt like there there was nothing more I could have wanted out of that album. My tastes have evolved since then. My desires have changed since then. So now it would be low to mid-fours. 4.2, 4.3, probably around there. It's still a great album, in my opinion, but... (laughs) It, it, it has a lot of musical failings while its lyrics are, are stand up throughout. Honestly, if I were to be, while we're hyping, hopping on the heist since it's come up so many times. Only since I spoke about it. No, since you mentioned that, I just do want to remind, I did lower that in my last year in review because I now see my year in reviews as really encompassing the series review. Yeah. Like, right. not only in that segment. Like, we look at the year, of course. That's yeah. what the focus of the episode is. But in the very beginning, when you address, like, and you want to do rating changes, I think it, we, if we are having strongly felt feelings about anything that preceded just that year, go for it. Yeah. And so, Macklemore Ridley has dipped back, like, three years now. And, and I did lower it from 4.7 to 4.3. And I might, I might lower it this this year because as I still barely listen to it, when I have gone back to it, I feel like it lets me down a lot. Like, first of all, the track... That's that's why I brought that up because I actually... Remember I said I listened to these episodes and you said right there you might consider it for your next one in, in that episode. Because... The, the the social commentary tracks, yes, they were powerful at that time, but they're, they seem almost a little superficial now compared to other advocating tracks that have come out since. It seems a little, upon reflection, seems a little self-serving. Like, hey, look at me, I care. Look and at me caring. Like it's good to be alive in such a small world. It's, I'm all curled up with a book to read. Yeah. I, I That's just, handlebars. There yeah. are morals and all that and everything. I do want to say, though, if you're going to do that, do it for all the right reasons and not the wrong reasons right. and re-listen please to yeah, of the, course i i had i that's one of the only times i actually had a spiel yeah. for my like rating change yeah. was on the macklemore thing and that's i had written it i remember months beforehand yeah. and i had actually changed it there was a file and i would every once i every time i considered this and i'd go back and i'd listen i would update that file it was, yeah. but it addressed specifically the fact that i did not want to hate on him for the sake of just hating on him no, of it literally had to do with i think i was caught up in 
in the hype of your guy's hype in that episode, and I was avoiding a lot of things. Well, and, and I think similarly, I was caught up in the hype, period. Not his hype, but just the hype of Macklemore and how refreshing he was at that moment. But on the on the scope of it, I've listened to so much more hip-hop since then, and he is... True, you have a unique uh, take there, considering you're like a relatively new like life-wise into hip-hop like what last five years for you uh, no actually i go back to hip-hop in, in in junior high school but i'm listening to it with a different ear now when growing up listening to buster rhymes and biggie and Ludacris, your introduction to indie hip-hop right yes. is very recent it's very recent yeah. within the last five or to eight seven years but still that's it's recent. new that's new as far as new, newish but but my <laughs> point is is that i think it's interesting to ruminate on that because again we're always gonna i think at some point or another always find ourselves backed into a corner no matter how hard we try because again these things are going to change our expectations that's what needs to, to happen that's part of the wisdom of the album again yeah. you have to confront and challenge yourself on these ter- things at at every turn which is why i kind of made the bold statement that i think you guys will go up a little bit because this one is it feels to me like it's a more ubiquitous idea as opposed to the specifics of the heist maybe I mean it's, it's I don't know that for sure you yeah. cannot say that for sure I may even decide to go down and put it right back where Kayflay was because of the, again you know minus mark there but a plus mark there I don't know I don't know. All I know is that I'm really appreciative to have the message that was delivered. And it, yeah. it deserves to just be over the four. If, if like, yeah, if anyone actually is looking at Crash Chords for, like, where the hell they buy their albums, which, of course, we reject entirely. But nevertheless, if they say, well, threes, I'm probably just going to ignore whatever they say is a three. Then, yeah, then no, I would say no. Do not ignore this by any stretch. That's yeah. why I'm pushing it to the four. Which is why we also think that when we're giving this two cents, three cents, or full dollar when we really go on our tirades uh our rating system is like it's a non-plus it's not a great way to gauge well actually that's a perfect perfect example because then let's just say let's say i do decide to lower it then what what might be a reason why i decide to lower it well it could be let's say i run across an album that is equally you know, lyrically, this is a mystery album. I don't even have an idea. But like, lyrically masterful. I'll find it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> lyrically masterful, addressing some of these same things, even pushing the bar a little further, making some more complex illusions, and then also inviting me in musically. You, you know where that would be relative to this. Yeah. And then I, might it even make me reconsider where this is anyway? Because right. if that album is going to bring in a much wider audience and introduce them to more things and pack them more of a punch every moment, then it's going to make me reconsider this as just a, that was great for lyrics, and then I'll stop there a little bit. Oh, and there's a sax solo. <laughs> and a guitar solo. That's cool. Well, that's why I think at the end of the day, we tell people, listen to the review, not the rating. Yes. Because the review yeah. yes. is, is more impactful and more succinct, as we've proven since sometimes our wrap-ups don't even match our reviews. Yeah. Which actually happened last week. Yeah. I And as much as I still feel like maybe that might be, uh, and to go back to it, an end-of-year raise, yeah. I think I might go over four, just because... It seems like if I sit with that album, if I sit with Kayflay, I'm going to like it more. Yeah. But I don't know if like, like like, such as with this album, if I keep liking it more, if that truly warrants saying, well, it should get a higher grade. Just because you like a student doesn't mean to make a B plus and A minus. Right. Well, that's like with me with um, Blurry Face. I raised it because it's not only that I liked it more, but I understood it better. 
too, by the time we got to the year in review. It has to offer you something other than just the saccharine sweet enjoyment. Correct. It, 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 it's true. Some pieces that hit your bone the right way, that hit that funny bone or, or hit that part of your heart that feels or hit you right in the gut or make you cry, like some of that stuff like kind of gets a pass of, okay, you touched me in an emotional way that is particularly devastating or particularly memorable. And that has a, an ability to itself, but growing familiar with a piece over and over and over again will make you enjoy it either more or less, and they tend to be one way or the other pretty dramatically. If you like something, getting a lot of it can make you like it a lot more when it comes to things like artwork or music. If you don't like something, being exposed to it can numb you, but it's going to make you devalue it probably Remember even more. Remember what I said last week, my, my friend James said, if you listen to any album, period, enough, you will get attached to it. Exactly. Yeah. Just how music works. So... Enjoyment probably should be like the last factor when we're doing these reviews. This is how guilty pleasures are born. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, but I argue that this at this stage in my life, I'm too busy and cynical to have guilty pleasures. If I like something, I fucking like it. You're actually getting (laughs) old now. That is true. I am getting older. All right. Well, let's move on, Steve. Before you tell us what we're doing next week, why don't you hit us with your musical term of the week? Term of the week. You should know this one. It's a part of an instrument. Steve is looking at me. Nah, both of you. Okay. Okay, good. I think it's just because you're right in front of In front of them, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of a two-parter thing. Oh, man, I hate two-parters. I always do bad on the follow-up. You need to explain to me, on one hand, what the damper is, and then second, what the damper pedal does. So, a, uh, the damper pedal, it's on a piano, right? Yes. So, it, it, it shortens the vibrations and dampens the sound, doesn't it? Now, I'm afraid that would be wrong, uh, because the damper pedal does the exact opposite. It, it doesn't you just cut ex- it? You just explained what the damper does. Okay. Oh, oh the pedal. But where's the damper? In the piano? It's the hammer, in the, or not the hammer, but the it's piece the, that rests on the string. The piece that rests on the string by default, without oh. any pedal there, because what happens when you're not even touching a pedal and you lift your fingers off the key? Why don't they? What call happens? It the, why don't it, they un- stop? It stops. Why don't they call it the undampener? That <laughs> makes a lot more like grammatical sense. It's why I actually chose the word because I thought it might uh, confuse some people. Which is why, guess what? There's another name for the damper pedal, and that is the sustain pedal. It oh. sustains the note, and okay. yet that it's no, it's a misnomer. You're right. You're called the misnomer. The damper pedal is very misleading because it ac- it accesses the damper. But it lifts it. Yeah, so yes, it does undampen. You could just write uh, UDP. Excess undampener. No, UDP. undampener. Oh, UDP. Undamp. 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 UDP. The undampener. It sounds like a really shitty superhero. Yes. It's sort of... It's... It's the guy that dries you if you get caught out in the rain. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> rude. So, Steve, what are we doing next week? What are we doing? Not I'm stepping a little bit outside my comfort zone this time. Ooh. Let me guess hip-hop. But have you sat with it? I have sat with it. Well, and, and no, you're, look, uh, look, let me uh, be very honest about this. I have given it one go. Okay. One go, uh, which is enough to say there's enough going on here that I'm very, very interested. And so you're this an is advocate me going, for it. I'm an advocate for it. I want to... Remember how I said, like, you have to kind of feel it's a it's a good enough album for review and right. that I will be advocating for all that it has to offer? I don't think it's five stars by any stretch. I think it's it's worth reviewing. It's okay. worth looking at. 
Um, I don't know how you guys are going to take it. But after all, we already did avant-garde, so no, what are you going to do? He threatened us with this. What are you going to do? No, John, I'm actually, like, kind of going over to your side here. Uh, but it's not... So where you already can guess the super genre. It's electronica. Okay, we got that going for me. What's the Aww. subgenre? What's the sub thing? Trance? IDM. Ooh. We've done IDM before, haven't we? We've done EDM. No, we never have. We've done a lot of EDM. Glitch Mob is the closest to EDM ever. And IDM, intelligent dance music, is a genre that I purposely sidestepped, so this will be fun. And what is it? This is called Black Origami by Jalen. This should be fun. This is pretty damn interesting. Okay. It's a, uh, it feels like in... African beat-influenced IDM album. Interesting. It's very, very neat, and okay. it's got a lot of stuff going on. Don't know how I feel about every moment of it, but again, sonically, thumbs up. All right. Well, you might, hey. you might have a, you uh, might have a, a fellow advocate for this one, I mean, like right okay. off the bat. I mean, I, I'm excited because it takes us outside of what we've been doing. We got into a, a, a rhythm doing multiple hip hop or hip hop influenced albums, so it's nice to jump into something else. Um, that said, I have zero experience with this genre, at least to my knowledge. You you do have experience, but you, I don't know that I. You do. don't know that you do. Yeah, mm-hmm. IDM's a weird state, but um, mostly because uh, I think the I part is actually uh, improperly used. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but well, I think the D is improperly used. I don't see a lot of part. people dancing to this. Well, there's rhythm. Uh, people you can, can dance, dance with anything, rhythm. really. Yeah. At this talk. point, if well, you can sway, you can dance. I can't sway. It's got a beat, and you can we dance. We can dance if you want to. Anyway, leave your right. friends behind. Okay. On that note, remember, as always, music is life, and, and life, life is, is good. good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.